orthodontics. I've always seen the commercials. <laughs> I never knew what it was, but mm-hmm. I saw the commercials. It's pretty much um, a program to help young children. So literally like from two onwards, start learning how to read and write. And I recall so vividly my mom making me sit outside of the house, like on the porch and looking at my address. And she's like, I need you to write this address down like wow. 30 times. Lost. If something happens to you, I want you to be able to to tell people what's going on. So I remember from an early age really doing that. But I call that out because that is the, I feel like it's the kickoff point of where my parents really started to instill the value of education within me. And that means a lot because I am a first generation college graduate. I have both my bachelor's and my master's and I'm the first in my family to do that. And it's kind of just the culmination of all of that. I remember walking across the stage and remembering like really hooked on phonics is what did all of this. Welcome to the Life Story Podcast. My name is Noel Chrysler. Each week, I talk to a different person about their own personal journey through life, from their earliest memories to where they're currently at today. We hear about the highs. I used to make like chocolate milk come out of my nose at lunch <laughs> because that was the only way I thought I could get people to sit with me. <laughs> the lows. And as we went back to go in, the doors were locked. <laughs> so I had just broken <laughs> up with him and we're standing at the doors. And everything else in between. I biked five miles to get laid. Oh, in the rain too. It was raining. I forgot about that. The goal is to capture people's stories so we can understand their perspectives, learn from their decisions, and discover what it means to live a truly great life. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Life Story uh, with Noah Chrysler. That's me today. I'm sitting down with Precious. Precious, say hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> um, so I, uh, the, the point of this show is I sit down with strangers around the Atlanta area and I talk to them and the idea is to try to hear somebody's life story um, in a nice, concise, I, try, I say a 90 minute conversation, but it really, <laughs> <laughs> concise. it's never, it's never 90 minutes and that's my fault, not mm-hmm. my guest's fault. Um, but anyway, today I'm sitting down with Precious. Precious, I sent you a random DM after seeing a bunch of your cool inspirational posts on LinkedIn. <laughs> yes. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about what you do? Um, your both your speaking career and then your career career that sounds super cool i mean no the speaking career yeah. is the career career i'm sorry I mean, look, 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 let me explain yeah the art the art of explaining here we right? go so there i have a i have my hands in a number of different things right but for the most part or how you can think about what i do is i like to add value to other people through helping them to pretty much identify who they are and gain clarity around who they want how they want to be perceived so let me tell you what this means the first piece is my passion obviously So what you are describing, I have a company called The Brand Table, and I help professionals and executives pretty much, um, I help professionals and executives pretty much uncover, okay, how can I merge my profession and my passion to create one holistic identity, one personal brand that can bring me inbound opportunity. Um, For me specifically, this is via digital platforms and even more specifically LinkedIn, which is why you see me so active on the platform. It's what I teach to my clients. No, it's awesome. You're posting every day and everything has like tons (laughs) of likes. I'm like, damn, okay, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Exactly. So, so kind of through the brand table is where um, I guess my speaking career came about as well. I started out speaking more in this inspirational and motivational aspect of overcoming adversity. I'm a first generation college student. Like I'm the oldest of five. There's all of these pieces that I started to speak on about my life and that's how people 
I would say started to cling to me. And then when I started the brand table or when I started building a personal brand of my own, then I stepped into speaking more about branding and then even furthermore LinkedIn. I've been a unofficial LinkedIn plug, guru, whatever you want to call it, yeah. ambassador <laughs> um, for honestly since like 2013, 2013 or 2014. So wow. it's been a long time. Wow. I love LinkedIn. I'm when was LinkedIn launched? Like that's super early, LinkedIn, right? Yeah, no, that, that that's actually not that early. I feel oh, like really? LinkedIn probably came out around 09, okay. maybe 2010. Wow. So I was, I it was a little, you know, earlier than most, but mm -hmm. it wasn't that early at all. Uh, so I started doing that in when I started posting on LinkedIn and building my personal brand, it's when other people started to say, hey, she's really good at this. Like, I see her getting major opportunity from this. Yeah. Because even um, internships during college, my career, speaking engagements, all of that, a lot of that comes via my LinkedIn platform. Uh, so I really love that. And then I also have a full-time job. And my full-time job is where I then work as a consultant with Accenture. I'm in our interactive practice now. Um, and at that point, that is more so helping people with digital marketing uh, and more of their branding efforts, rebrands, all of that. Cool. Precious, I um, I want to, we talked a little bit about this before we started the show, but I'm going to bug you so much. Like, because I, because I mean, if you, for viewers of this show, they know, like my brand is all over the place. Like it's half like comedy and fun. And then uh, half the time I'm like very intense and like, you should work hard and do this and exactly. hustle grind. And like, mm -hmm. so it's weird. It's a, it's a weird dichotomy. Um, and you were mentioning that like, you know, part of what you tell people is like, you don't have to just be one way. You exactly. can be multiple ways. You, exactly. Because in addition to what I just explained, right? So I have my career uh, and I have the brand table, but I also have an Airbnb business. Uh, I also have a vending machine business that I run with my friend Ahmad. So I have my hands in a number of different things. And a lot of it, um, even furthermore, those side projects are around like financial wealth, financial education. How do you really begin building money for yourself? But that still right. ties into my brand because, again, I'm first gen. Like I'm the first in my family to do a lot of this. So I'm really setting the tone and I'm the one to kind of kick off that generational wealth. Mm -hmm. So it's still ties into my overall brand so we can talk more about it i would love to that's super cool oh man i want to talk about vending machines too that sounds super fun i don't how many vending machines do you have we only like, have two right now we just sense. started back in april um cool. but it's really exciting we have two we have two locations looking to expand what kind of vending machines and do you stock them yourself i have so many questions yeah let's hop right in so we do stock them ourselves at this point and they are two snack machines so we do not gotcha. have combo machines or drink machines just yet so for us what we focus on is personal personalized vending solutions. What that means is what if let's say you have an office like this, a creative space, mm -hmm. right? We go in and it's like, okay, what are the what are the items that you need? Not necessarily just snacks, but it's like, okay, do you need pens? Do you need, um, for instance, one of our one of our places is a recording studio. Cool. Okay, you guys need tobacco products. Mm -hmm. You might need cigarettes. You need lighters. Like these cool. are the things okay. that we're placing in the in the vending machines, just so that it it, it differentiates us a bit in the market. That's pretty cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. you like get cigarettes and stuff. For yeah. like that's super cool. <laughs> I like that. Cool. Oh man, that's like because that's the dream, right? Like have have the have the vending machines. Have the vending machines supplier right who kind of yeah. runs it for you and then like all you just do is get the check and then you go to exactly yeah, like, you, like <laughs> you, you want it to get to a passive point um right. so and, and it doesn't start there it's exactly. a long journey i bet and, exactly yeah. you need more machines <laughs> <laughs> that's super cool though that's absolutely awesome um cool okay guys the way this show works i ask people to break down their life into five parts and then list experiences from each part of their life uh and then we talk about them on the show um 
and Precious did this in a way that is very concise and very like meaningful and uh, and good. And I'm <laughs> really excited to. Noah's dive proud in. of me. I am. I am. Honestly, I don't think mine would have been this concise. You're like amazing. Okay, here we go. Um, part one is called A Path Diverged. Um, and your first bullet point here says that you. Um, you start with uh, the story about your mom, and uh, she, it says that she nearly lost her life to give you life. Mm -hmm. um, 31 hours of labor. Um, so tell me about that story. Yeah, so this is pretty much um, the start of it all, right? Like, my birth. So my mom, just to give a little background, uh, I... My mom had me when I when she was 15 years old. So she was 15 years wow. old. My dad was 17 years old, I believe. He was 17 years old. So my mom had just turned 15. Um, and she was all of maybe, like, she's still a child, right? So she's right. all of maybe, like, 115, 120 pounds. I, wow. I believe, if I recall correctly, I was about, like, a nine-pound baby. Wow. So I was pretty heavy. I wasn't light. Uh, so my mother was in labor 31 hours with me. Um, and, and you'll see me mention this um, and mention my mother and I's relationship wow. down the line, too. But she was, in the li she was in labor 31 hours with me. And then at the end of that 31 hours, I decided to fall asleep. You fell asleep. While I was crowning out of her vagina yeah um <laughs> so my hair's showing and the doctor's like yeah she's not moving anymore like she's asleep and my mom's like already in and out of it i mean it's been 31 hours so they actually how my mom says it and when i tell people this they're like no i don't believe you how my mom tells me is they had to like vacuum me out really yes with like a i don't machine. know <laughs> this is a piece that people don't believe and yeah. i i should probably clarify with her like what does that mean because in my mind it's like the little piece on the vacuum that you just <laughs> the dirt devil <laughs> exactly like you just pull the baby out yeah um but i doubt it was like that but either way they had to find some way to actually get me out and then at that point i ripped her open oh my gosh yeah, we're, we're starting off real. No, yeah. no, it's real. No, it's good. I'm sorry. I'm just, I don't. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, at that point, I, I, I ripped her. Um, she had some hemorrhaging. Just that piece of really the, I guess, the fight that both she and I had to get me here. Yeah. And then even furthermore, like I said, she was um, she was 15 years old, so she was still a child. Um, I was a heavy baby, 31 hours of labor. So following that, and even back then, right, many people weren't talking about postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And my mom has disclosed to me or said, and even through her describing her experience when I was first born, she did have postpartum depression with me. Wow. Um, so immediately after I was born, my mom did not hold me. My mom didn't hold me. Um, for a couple days, honestly, <laughs> because it's just like she just couldn't do it. She's recovering herself. And then it's also like she the way she describes it is she literally she literally could not believe she had a baby. Yeah. Like at 15 years old. Exactly. I like, mean, do you remember yourself at 15? About me at 15. I don't think I dude, uh, Yeah. <laughs> dude, I could not do it because I, I remember I actually do remember my 15th birthday and turning 15 and how big it was, not only for me, but for her, because it's a matter of, OK, it's like a whoo. Like, okay, you didn't make the same mistake I did. Yeah, because wow. my grandmother also had my mother at 15, and my mother is the oldest really? of her siblings, and I'm the oldest of my siblings as well. Wow. So it was more of a factor of, like, her really trying so hard, and, and even in the way that she raised me, trying so hard to 
she didn't want me to fall victim to the same circumstances that she and her mother did. Yeah. In what ways, I mean, how does that change and influence your life as you're growing up? Like, is uh, does she have those conversations with you or is there like weird pressure or like, I don't know, was it, was, it good or bad or? It was weird pressure. And if I can be honest, growing up, it was, it was more, it was more growing pains than like flowers and daisies. Right. Yeah. Uh, because as, as I'm growing, I'm growing with my mother. Mm -hmm. So again, she's 15. Like she's, there's only a 15 year gap between us. So as I'm growing up and I'm seeing all of this, right, she raised me in a pretty strict way because she did not want me to experience the same things that she had. Um, and there's like, again, this is my life story. So I won't tell my mother's life story, yeah. but there are pieces, um, even of her childhood before I was born of, you know, events that she had went through that she, she was trying so hard to pr protect me from, mm -hmm. but as a child, she didn't know how to properly do that. Yeah. Um, how to properly communicate that. And, that's pretty much how it what culminated into our relationship growing up gotcha yeah um in terms of like i mean who, did were you living i mean she's 15 years old and she has a baby is she living mm -hmm. with her parents and and did you kind of grow up in that environment or like so once i was born her and my father actually got an apartment oh cool so wow. once i was born her and my father got an apartment they had an apartment but i did spend a lot of my time over my grandparents house there so like grandma's house going with cousins all of that and of course with them still being young stem them still trying to make ends meet they are out um you know working jobs trying mm -hmm. to to pay for this baby that they've now had while yeah. also being in school and all of this other stuff. So um, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. I spent a lot of time, some can say like for the early stages of my life, I was pretty much raised by like my grandfather and my uncle because my mom, again, like my mom will admit to it and she'll say, she's like, she could not believe she had a baby and baby things like babies poop. And she's like, <laughs> you know, just take their clothes off, wash it. Like, no, she's throwing everything away. Like, yeah. no, throw the clothes away. I'm wow, not cleaning that really? up. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah. so it was really just a shock for her for a long time, which now being an adult, yeah, I thoroughly understand that. because I'm, I'm 24 yeah. now and yeah. I still couldn't imagine. Now would, I, would, I can barely <laughs> take care of myself. Like. <laughs> exactly. So no, no. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, that sounds super intense. Um, it okay. Was. Um, parents. Uh, having you as a teenager um, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and uh, a repeated cycle from their parents and grandparents you told me about that your mother not holding me when you were born you told me about that Hooked on Phonics Hooked on Phonics apparently played a big role in your life yeah you tell me that? it did I feel like that was more of the kickoff because even though my parents were very very young um, when they had me mm -hmm. and these situations or circumstances that they found themselves in right they still made it a really really good point to I guess give me the best, right? And I don't know if you, do you remember Hooked on Phonics? I don't, I had this weird thing with letters on it and it was not Hooked on Phonics, but it was like the cheap version that my parents bought Oh, me. see, that's what I, that, so that's what I'm saying because I still recall the Hooked on Phonics commercials. Yes. Um, and seeing the commercials. I've always seen the commercials. I never knew what it was, but mm -hmm. I saw the commercials. So, so tell it, me what it is. It's pretty much um, a program to help young children. So literally like from two onwards, start learning how to read read and write uh, and my parents had purchased that for me and I recall so vividly 
continuously like doing activities from that like my mom sitting down and really working with me on these skills I remember uh, my mom making me sit outside of the house like on the porch and looking at my address and she's like I need you to write this address down like 30 times because I do not want it to I don't I don't want you to forget it but it's also that aspect of she's coming from survival mode right Right. of if something happens to you I want you to be able to to tell people what's going on so I remember from an early age really doing that so hooked on phonics they bought me and they purchased they bought for me and they purchased um and I started doing that I would say like pre-k um maybe maybe preschool but I call that out because that is the I feel like it's the kickoff point of where my parents really started to instill the value of education within me and that means a lot because I am a first generation college graduate I have both my bachelor's and my master's and I'm the first in my family to do that and it's kind of just the culmination of all of that I remember walking across the stage and remembering like really hooked on phonics is what did all of this like yeah, it, was because the foundation. It, it accelerated it um, like I graduated high school in three years I went on to IU did my undergrad degree I graduated with my master's in one year like it it was kind of an acceleration and then that just value of education is really I would say I would attribute that to where I've gotten today if it wasn't for college not necessarily the classes but just the experience Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be where I am I wouldn't be as confident as I am I wouldn't be able to network as easily and seamlessly the way that I do like so I yeah I appreciate education. Cool, cool. <laughs> that's where that. And it all is. starts with hooked on phonics. I'm gonna invest when I have a kid. That sounds awesome. Seriously, is that even out? Like it's still I out. I think so. Probably it's gotta yeah, be right. It, right. Somewhere. Um, I do remember the commercials though. Commercials were great, and you'd always see them on like Nickelodeon and. I remember. Yeah. Um. Cool. Living on the south side of Chicago, being close in close proximity to your extended family. So yeah, you were born in Chicago, right? You mm-hmm. mentioned that. To yeah, me. absolutely. Um. Cool. So you lived on the south side. What's the south side of Chicago like? The south side of Chicago. What is the south side of Chicago like? So. So for many people um, who live outside of Chicago, the south side of Chicago is like the, they think it is the slums and it is not. (laughs) It's not. I will say that it is not. But the south side of Chicago, many people typically think because this is where you typically hear about um, like, oh, shootings occurred. People are being murdered. Like that's where they think it's happening. Right. But the south side of Chicago to me was just more of like. I have a very, very large family. So my mother is the oldest of 17. My dad is the middle child of 10. I'm the oldest of five. So the South Side of Chicago to me is like, oh, all of my family just yeah, is yeah, around. Yeah. Like I go around the corner, I see something. So that's how it was for me. So growing up there, it was more of an aspect of how that affected me seeing my family I enjoyed being in the presence of my family right Mm -hmm. but actually seeing what they were doing was very unmotivational Um, I had family that was or I have family that is like in and out of jail the teen pregnancies right because it didn't necessarily just start and end with my mother her siblings and her sisters also experienced the same thing so growing up in the south side of Chicago and being there, I just recall being there and your mindset is different. Mm -hmm. I think that your environment plays a really huge part in how you grow up and how you are, like how you develop, the person that you develop into. Definitely. Um, And when I was there, my motivation, I do feel like was low. Like you don't see much, right? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't see entrepreneurs. I didn't see consultants. Like everything that I'm doing now, I didn't see that. Yeah. And you didn't have any role models around you that showed you what a young adult professional looks like who can, yeah. Exactly. So that's, that's pretty much how that 
came into play, um, and then it wasn't until I actually transitioned and I moved uh, to Northwest Indiana that I guess that shift started to occur. Yeah. Because even once my parents got a little bit older, right, like as stated, I was... My, my mom had me at 15, so it wasn't until I was about 7 that it's like, okay, she's 22, 23 now. Now is when things are really starting to happen, right? Because right, right. now you are beginning your young adult life. Uh, so I do remember her and my father being in real estate, right? And they had oh, cool. their, their dabble wow. in real estate in, in Illinois, uh, and they also had their own business where they were wholesaling um, like shoes and clothes, and they would go off to New York, they would go purchase all of these products in bulk, come back, sell them just in the south side of Chicago. So I remember that occurring too and it wasn't until that until I was older that I started to see like okay these are the different options that I have. I've never right. seen my mother um work a job. She's always worked for herself. Cool. Whether it was the real estate, whether it was wholesaling sort of products and shoes and clothes, or even now, uh, she now owns her own hair salon out in Northwest Indiana and also has a natural hair care products business as well. Cool. So that's, I would say that's where the entrepreneurial kind of spirit came from. Mm -hmm. But even trying to figure out like, how do I navigate all of this? How do I do it? That was the piece that was the hardest being in Chicago and not necessarily having someone who thinks differently, right? Who understands that it's like, okay, I don't just have to go get a job, work that same job for 40, 45 right. years. Sell my time to this company. Exactly. And hopefully they give me something nice. Exactly. Like, hopefully yeah. at the end, like it all works out, right? <laughs> right. Like, I didn't see that. It was more of just people, the people that I was surrounded with in that environment. It's like working... I'm not gonna say dead end jobs, but it's just like dead no, end yeah, jobs. No, yeah, no, no. I, I. Uh, so my dad, my, I grew up. Um, my dad owned an auto repair shop, mm -hmm. um, and he. Uh, I, I think you're super right. Um, like that, that massive, the impact uh, of a child seeing a role model. Uh, you know, basically show them what life is. Right. Exactly. You don't realize it as a kid. Um, how impactful that is. But mm -hmm. I don't know. That was just normal to me. You know, yeah. like oh yeah, when you. Eventually, like, you know, you just have your own thing that you run. And uh, yeah, that's it's, it's, huge. it's wild seeing that. And yeah. It's wild. I would say also for me, um, because when I moved to Northwest Indiana, that is when like the south side of Chicago is is black. <laughs> the south side of Chicago is black. And then I moved to Northwest Indiana and I it, it wasn't just white. It was just a melting pot of different people. But I wasn't used to just not seeing or being around people who didn't look like me. Right. And being thrown into that within like your pre-adolescence of, you know, when it's at that point where it's like you're trying to make friends mm -hmm. and you're trying to keep friends and you're trying to figure out like, okay, what is my personality? Trying to do that while being thrown into that environment, I would say was the hardest piece because I wanted friends so bad. Yeah. And, and nobody probably was had been through some of the things that you probably had been through. Exactly. Nobody felt like a fish out of water type of a situation. Exactly. And that's exactly what it was. It's like, and then my mom, again, because coming understanding the standpoint of where she's coming from, she also had a standpoint of like, well, you don't need any friends. You have family. Like, you have all of us. Really? What do you need friends for? Or even more so, it's like, okay, I'll go to school. And I'm like, well, I don't have any friends at school. And it's like, well, you're not at school to have friends. You're at school to learn. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you're focusing. Because, again, she's trying to prevent all of these mistakes that she made. Yeah. Right? She's trying to make sure that I'm going on, again, a different path, a path diverged. That sounds like... 
I mean, obviously, it's. I feel like it's built who you are today, right? Mm-hmm. Well-educated, very confident, <laughs> awesome. But also, I, I bet that that's really uncomfortable as a child to be like, you're not at school to make friends. Like, yes. It's like, oh, my God, every like, child want wants friends. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> right, and, and it's, it's, you'd be so surprised at how that I'm learning now, or I don't even see or realize until now how that affected so many of my experience of how I was maneuvering in relationships, friendships even, of like, well, if you do one thing, and it's like okay well I shouldn't have been your friend anyway because my mom told me I don't need friends and you like I shouldn't have trusted you in the first place and it was just you're kind of like almost yeah that that kind of builds this narrative like Mm -hmm. you're you're it it fits any evidence towards the contrary or towards you know this person being exactly a bad influence like now now you've proved me right like you Ah. proved my mom right and you proved me right too because it's like so it's yeah it was it was a sticky situation that's tough that's tough I've talked to a lot of people about like how as a kid they've kind of felt like self-righteous and judgmental of some of their friends like mm-hmm. especially some of the people who've come from more of like a religious background mm-hmm. they like they look at people who like you know for, for me for instance some of my friends smoked weed and I was like oh my god like how dare you <laughs> <laughs> wait you were like that? yeah I was. oh my god I know can you imagine? Karma. <laughs> um, and yeah I don't know I it's it's definitely hard when you're a kid and you're like when you have those weirdly like high standards they, it, and exactly and it's instilled in you from a early, so you can't even help it right. and until you actually step away from like literally remove yourself from that environment from being with your parents from the values that they've instilled from you the things that they've taught you the religion that they've handed to you right you can't necessarily like take on your own identity and mm-hmm. even for me that didn't happen until I left high school and I went to college hence me graduating in three years to get the hell out of there it's just so that I can experience that and kind of my mom could loosen that leash. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Guys, this episode of the Life Story Podcast is sponsored by Modern Estate Planning. Here's a hard truth. Every one of you will die someday. When that happens, sometimes people leave behind a ton of problems for their friends and family to solve. After funeral costs, some people die poorer than the day they were born. And worse yet, if you don't have a will or you have a bad will, your family members can end up battling in court over the things you leave behind. They'll have to pay a ton of lawyer fees, and usually when the process is all over, they'll all end up hating each other and never speaking to each other ever again. Why make your family members go through that when instead you can take steps right now to plan the legacy you leave behind. If you're in the Atlanta area, the best option you have is modern estate planning. Modern estate planning offers professional modern estate plans for the modern family. We've helped hundreds of families in the Atlanta area protect their legacies and avoid court. If you live in the Atlanta area and you don't have an estate plan or you have estate planning questions, give us a call at 404-620-3793. That's 404-620-3793. Guys, thanks so much for watching. I hope you're enjoying this episode with Precious. And we're going back to the show. Um, cool. Part two of your life is called "Okay, I Need to Find My Bearings." Yeah, fantastic. Um, so cool. Um, you, uh, you, your parents were entrepreneurs. You moved to do Northwest Indiana, where you mentioned you were like you didn't have many friends that looked like you. Mm-hmm. Um, summers in Minnesota with the family. Tell me about those. Yeah. So I spent uh, a lot of my summers during like that. I would say between the ages of like seven and fourteen. A lot of my summers out in Minnesota. I have family uh, who lives out in Minnesota. I have family in a lot of places, but a lot of them are in Minnesota in addition to Chicago. So I would spend a lot of summers out there with my mom's cousin cool so my second cousin looked at her like an aunt I guess because they were a bit older but I spent a lot of my time out there and that is really 
I would say like those summers in Minnesota was really again where it reinforced because even though like now at this point or halfway through this phase I guess or chapter in this book I am like I've moved to Northwest Indiana Mm -hmm. so I'm out of that environment that I was talking about but every summer it's like I'm being catapulted back into something really similar gotcha Uh, and that how how that affected me I still am trying to parse through yeah. and figure out, but I do know that it was very similar to the same environments that I found myself in in Chicago, but it was more of like summer times. I spent a lot of my time, like my mom would send both me and at this time, my little sister is now born. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was the only child up until I was seven years old and then my wow. sister was born. Uh, again, So what is that like when, when you're seven years old and you have like a baby sister, like is that it sucks man really yeah because okay, it's like why? all the attention's been on you yeah. this whole time yeah. and now it's like everybody's like it's a new baby and anytime someone comes to the house it's like they're not here to see you anymore. <laughs> they're here to see the baby yeah. and I, re- I do vividly recall um, my little sister had just been born she had just like she was literally fresh out yeah uh, and I tried to run away because I'm like, you guys love her more than you love me. Yeah. Like, and I, my parents, wow. I remember. Did my, you like put some clothes in a suitcase? Yes, in, like, in a grocery bag. Yes. <laughs> in a grocery bag. That's like typical. In a cool. grocery bag. And I remember my mom and my dad sitting me down and having a conversation with me like, this is your little sister. We love you both, but she's just a baby and she needs more attention right now. Right. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I say all of that to say, um, again, because my mom, thinking of my mom and how her childhood and her upbringing has affected how she's now raising me, I had to, or it was both me and my sister that was sent to Minnesota with mm-hmm. my cousins. And the guidance given to my family was everywhere that Precious goes, Ashanti has to go. Okay, why? Everywhere. Because it's a matter of, okay, she's pretty much, like, you know how little siblings usually are like, they're going to tell on you? Yeah. So if anything is oh, going no, down. Oh, no, she's tattling on exactly. you. Exactly. Oh, I don't, ooh. So that was, so that was the point, and even, like, experiencing it back then, I'm like, oh, my God, damn, like, I can't do anything. I can't go talk to the boys at the park. Like, nothing. I got my little sister with me. Yeah. But that's what it was for because, again, like, my mom had me young, and then there are all of these experiences just growing up that she had with men as well that she's like, I really want, like, I want to protect you. Mm-hmm. But again, she just didn't know the best way to do that. And I'm still unsure of whether or not that was the best way. I mean, me and my sister are close now, but, yeah, but it definitely caused a little bit of resentment. I can see how that would be infuriating, where it's like, yo, hey, I want to go talk to those guys. Oh, mom, like, let's see. Oh, man. Take your sister with you. That was always the thing. Take your little sister. Yeah, you can go. You just have to take your little sister. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I, My sister and I had a very different relationship, but mm-hmm. I've never even, I've, I've honestly never heard the perspective of like, oh, like having a little sister or a little brother sucks because you know they're going to tell yeah like and I remember it like now me and my sister like I can tell her secrets and like she's 18 now so we really share things now but back then it was like no if I do anything it's like yeah she was talking to boys at the park (laughs) (laughs) get her (laughs) oh man that's funny okay um family reunions in Chicago so you went back to Chicago too Mm -hmm. as a kid yeah so back and forth from because again it's only Northwest Indiana where we were we were in, we are in Maryville Indiana my parents still live there now um, it's only like 35 or 40 minutes outside of Chicago so we did like we did go back and forth pretty often and 
I think that even more so speaks to um, more of this, like I told you earlier, right? I said earlier, if you remember, I said that my, I guess, zone of genius is helping other people to, I guess, identify their value and then project that to other people. How do they want to be perceived? Helping them to do that. Yeah. And my mom is also, like, I see it in her, too. Not in the, not executed in the same ways, but I see it in her just in the aspect that we constantly go back. And again, I told you my family was like, these are dead-end jobs, teen pregnancy, all of this. And anytime we'd go back, my mom being the older sister, she would bring people back. And so then they are living with us now, living with us, and my mom is pretty much trying to she help She would bring them, them from Chicago to Indiana. To live, Wow, yes. cool. And kind of see, hey, you know, there's more opportunity exactly. than you might have been aware of. That's awesome. Exactly. That's so cool. Your mom sounds so cool. She is. That's She's really dope. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> She's a dope woman. She's a dope little woman, but yeah. dope woman nonetheless. She's only five, like five even. It's ridiculous. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, okay. Um, did you see any of those, like, relatives, like, you know, become entrepreneurs themselves or realize there's more opportunity out there no no no, not at all most of those relatives it's like even the ones even like who I'm thinking about right because I specifically recall um, one uncle that had came out to live with us and then even even more so one of my aunts as well so one of my mom's little brothers and little sisters not at the same time these were both at separate times like they had just gone through something um, and it was crazy I won't even go into that but they had just gone through like this really crazy experience themselves so my mom's like okay we have have this big out big big house out in Indiana you can come stay with us we have an extra room get back on your feet but all of those people who did that now they are still well number one they're right back in Chicago on the south side right but they're still in the same position that they were what was this this had to be like years 10 ago. years ago yeah exactly yeah and it's crazy yeah I, I uh that's something that I've kind of come to uh understand is like unless people like want to Mm -hmm. people people are not the same everybody's different right everybody has their different values and like if you no amount of convincing someone is gonna make them like turn it around and be like yeah like i'm gonna do this now and i say i say this all the time and i actually just put something like this statement on my on my instagram story today right i said like you somebody can give you all of the strategies all of the help all of the tips everything but if those strategies those tips those tactics are not aligned to your identity you will never implement them right you can try right like you can't just become a gym guru out of nowhere like a gym junkie Mm -hmm. you have to become a healthy person like you have to change your identity first in order to actually stick to those habits right and many people find a find it very hard to change their identity like the core of who they are yeah no i mean and it's understandable you know i mean um even from, you know, you're talking about, that's why I think this show is super interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like everybody has a different upbringing and a lot of people don't, they forget about their upbringing, right? Because it, it su- happened so long ago. You suppress it, yeah, honestly. Exactly. And then when they actually sit down and tie, like, tie the dots together and it's like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, and they have this story and this through line and um, yeah. And you can't, no matter how hard you try, you can't change the dots that happened back there. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. But you can, you can affect the ones going forward, but it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody has habits. Um, cool. Editing MySpace photos for friends. You would. Do you have a little small business on the side? <laughs> so this is where it all kicked off, right? Gotcha. Um, me kind of helping other people better, better perceive themselves online. Um, this is, I would say, where this branding piece kicked off. So MySpace was a thing. I mean, yeah. me and you are the same age. Yeah. Uh, we, you know. I wasn't using MySpace. Are you serious? I wasn't. No. Yeah. I. 
I had Facebook. I came in in like Facebook days. I also wasn't super like socially aware. I was kind of dorky. So (laughs) you did say that. It's okay. (laughs) You did say that. You're right. You're right. Still am. I'm still dorky. So I was not. We were not supposed to be on MySpace. Me and my friends were not supposed to be on MySpace. Yeah, but you were cool. Exactly. we We were cool. And then how my mom like did not know I was on Facebook because again tight leash right strict Mm -hmm. but me and my friends were on Facebook Um, when I would go to their house we'd be on Facebook like getting a new message I don't know you you're not sharing the same passion as me no I love you don't remember the new message icon do you remember AIM in semester yeah that was my like that was my it's not MySpace dude like MySpace somebody goes on your profile and they hear the song playing that you feel like represents you at the time MySpace is awful (laughs) I'm sorry I don't want to go on somebody's profile and listen to like Creed like I'm sorry Sorry, bro, no, thank you. Bro, they like, gotta bring that shit back. Yeah, they gotta, it, it's like come you go on, on your LinkedIn profile and exactly, like, <laughs> like, ne- like you, you just never like level up by Sierra's plan. Like you just, it gives the mood right. for how it sets the tone. So I'd, I'd absolutely, have Kanye be some like you know, exactly, it'd be, sick. It'd be cool. You like, yeah, <laughs> like that's one like some something to give people a, a another gist of who you are. Yeah. So when I was um, editing photos on MySpace, that was the kickoff of me in this, I guess, how can you say it? Kicking off my digital marketing skills or this interest that I had within marketing and just like yeah. playing around with creative things in general. What software would you use? I'm I it was like some photo editor where you can make the swirls around yeah. the person's body sure. and then put the words on there. I it love was... that. I love asking people <laughs> I love asking people like, hey like what's the first video you made and what software did you use? Because yeah, it's always like I used someone something called exactly. Cam, Cam something and like, I don't remember. I yeah. legit don't remember. I know I just do know that there was a website and it's like I was able to pixelate the background and you know this was the time where it's like everybody takes selfies now or somebody takes a photo of you do you remember the time when you would take a photo in your in your in mirror, your mirror <laughs> with your flip phone of course yeah of course so those were the photos that I was editing then it's yes. like you're editing out the camera and the person just so that <laughs> was you removing the arm no you weren't removing oh. the arm you just pixelated like I say gotcha. edit but this is like early okay. editing okay. like you're just pixelating shit yeah. you put a little swirl around the body you integrate the color colors gray out some cool. the background Sweet. people loved it i suppose charging people for that yeah you were charging people yes cool to edit their photos that's because amazing everybody wanted those types of photos i mean yeah. you don't know because you weren't a part of the MySpace i wasn't in world, the myspace yeah but everybody loved those types of photos cool. so yeah that was the kickoff of um all of my i would say like the branding skills that i have that's awesome i you know one thing i uh i talk to my buddy oscar a lot and it's like if you if you want it bad enough right if you want to make these photos or videos or whatever bad enough like it doesn't matter like what the best software or equipment is it's like nope you just use what you have and you google it and you find it and you download exactly. it and you figure it, it out exactly so that's cool i love that you're using like weird photo editing software to edit other people's myspace photos and getting paid i never got paid as a kid that's awesome <laughs> again like these are the pieces that my mother was very much instilling in me because even when i was growing up as well it's like i had a every summer i would have a candy stand like i would do like do you know what ices are? Yeah, of course. Yes. Okay. I would do. I would make ices. Like my mom You'd had make me them. an ice ice shaver, and then I would get the juice. Oh, sick. Okay. To pump that, I was like selling candy. Snow cone. I call it exactly. snow cone. Exactly. Like a yeah. yes, that. Mm-hmm. I was selling candy. I was selling like hot chips, juices, and I would just have my little table set up. 
in front of the that's art. That's awesome. That's my kid. I'm going to make that my kid. We're <laughs> going to do it together. I'll be out there with him. I don't care. Let's my go. My mom <laughs> has done that for every single one of us oh, because that's, cool. that's how she's kind of began to instill like money management in it because she'll help us kick it off. Like she's like, okay, I'll buy your first product. But after that, it's like, you need to do the numbers, figure it out. Like once yeah. you sell all of this, you're going to have enough to restock and a little bit extra, hopefully mm-hmm. to buy what you want. Yeah. And then at that point, that's just how she really started to instill those entrepreneurs. I love your mom. Your mom sounds super cool. I love your mom. She sounds great. <laughs> we got to bring her on. Tell yeah, her let's do story. it. I wanna, yeah, man. Oh my gosh. Having a child at 15. That sounds wild. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Your dad constantly encourages you to just write a book. Yes. Yeah. So this is the piece. I feel like I've mentioned my mom a ton. Um, mm-hmm. And my dad was very much in my life growing up. Um, people typically think that because my mom had me young that my dad wasn't in my life. My dad was very much in my life. That's great. Because that doesn't always. Lot. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> that, was the piece. that was like the only like, you know piece of that but he just worked a lot but the thing is when he would come back it's like he growing up my dad would always tell me like just write a book like you need to write a book that's how you're going to get famous how you're going to make it write a book like I could he could come home from work I'm sitting it's like I'm after school watching you know my show I'm watching Hey Arnold or something I don't know okay and he comes in he's like you guys are always watching TV just write a book (laughs) it's like dude what you haven't written a book yeah why are you telling me to write a book like he would either want me to write a book or he would want me to read all the harry potters and write a book about what like about your life yes okay about something yeah i don't know what it is with my dad and thinking that like once you're an author you're just you've made made it it. yeah but that's what he believes and i have still yet to write that book cool well when you do write the book i'm gonna be first in line yes yeah promote Absolutely. the book at the end no. <laughs> <laughs> guys there'll be a book in 2022 mm-hmm. um cool um great so uh part three was called square peg in a round hole yes um, so you you mentioned your relationship with your grandmother can you tell me about that relationship yes so uh, my relationship with my grandmother and i want to be clear i'm speaking uh, about my mom's mom okay so again my mom had me at 15 her mother had her at 15 so my grandmother is only 30 years older than me wow that now when you actually do the numbers that is like pretty crazy to think about that yes. is pretty crazy. Yes, yes. So um, my grandmother is really young. So growing up, mind you, again. Your, your grandmother is about my mom's age. Yeah. Typically, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, I remember being in school and they're like, how old's your grandma? That's your grandma? Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, that's my grandma. Yeah. So you can imagine like growing up and then my, my grandma was, let's say, because she is, she should be about 54, going on 55 this year. Um, so this was what, about 15 years ago? So she was like 40s, right? Yeah. 40s, and she's not married. She has not been married. Like my grandfather and her, they had my mom and all of my aunts and uncles, and then they split. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was not married. So she's young and living her life. So I just recall people or friends, for instance, saying like, yeah, like I was at my grandma's house. She like baked some cookies and my grandma like no like my grandma is out like, she's like she's living her the, life exactly like, like she's yeah. living her life like in the club like, making, <laughs> like, <laughs> my grandma went to the club this weekend no like, seriously I like my grandma that. goes out she hits the streets yes. so my relationship it's just the relationship dynamics that um like my if you if you ever met my grandmother and my mother my mother acts like the mother 
Yeah. And my grandmother is like the wow. Yes, cool. So your mom's kind of like the responsible. Like, yes, we need to do this. And okay, yes, my mom is the one who's like straight and narrow, and everyone else, everyone else, I kid you not, is just like okay, we're just gonna flow. You yeah. know, it who is would what you it say? Is. Who would you say you are more like? Definitely my mom. Yeah, I'm. I'm far more of a straight and narrow. And again, because she instilled that into me, it's like. No friends, you're here to learn. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. stay focused. So, wow. yeah. Um, how many siblings do you have, by the way? Four. You have four siblings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two brothers, two sisters. Um, your relationships with them? Did you did you hate every single one of them when they oh, popped no. out because they stole the attention away? Or <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so there, I I will not lie though because I feel like this is a very honest. It is. Podcast. A, it's an honest show. Yeah. Um. So. No, I have a lot of love for my siblings, but I do recall growing up there was a bit of resentment because, again, it's like I'm being told that I have to take my sister everywhere. And then it's like once the others are born, again, you gotta take my them mom, too. You got to take the ragtag team. Oh, are you no, I didn't have me? to take the whole team. Oh, no, OK. No, no, gotcha. No, no, no. no That's that would a lot. be crazy. <laughs> that would be crazy. Let's go How, hang out with Precious <laughs> and her three siblings. Exactly. <laughs> it's like. Damn, messing up the, you know? But no, seriously, there was resentment only because, like, being the oldest in, I feel like any older sister, no matter what race, no matter what's going on, any older sister, there are a lot of older sisters who would agree with this, is they they had to play more of that that motherly role Mm -hmm. and not even just because it's like my mother was so young but because you're the eldest sister people typically look at the women or the sisters as the ones who have to take care they're doing the dishes they're you know cooking doing all of that so that's where the resentment um, came from and it wasn't until I got out of the house and I addressed it myself that I was able to get past that because you have to also think my sister immediately after me is seven years is seven years younger Right. So then my brother after her is eight. And then after that, it's like 12 and 13 years. So wow. there's a gap. There's a yeah. huge gap. And, and so they probably perceive you like very differently than how I would think of my sister. My exactly. sister's four years older than me. So, exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of the dynamic that's playing in there. But um, even like the relationships now, I would say since they are older, like back when they were like, eight nine twelve thirteen absolutely not just like no what what can we talk about i'm in college and they're like in middle school right right, right. you have (laughs) nothing in common no that's that's huge too and as a kid you're not really trying to like have a good relationship right like you like you know it's it's supposed to be important because mom says it's important yeah but like you're not like yeah you're not actively trying to be like so how is college older sister like yeah you just kind of don't talk about it like you don't it's like oh it's like did you call your siblings today well did they call me (laughs) (laughs) they don't so you don't care about what I'm doing. Like, what the hell? Yeah. They're yeah. not into my cartoons. So, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, you, you. This says you lost your grandfather and your uh, great-grandfather in the same week. That sounds awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about that. So this was in high school. We're now in high school now. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, I believe, my sophomore and my junior year. This is my mother's father and grandfather. So, again, sticking more with that, like, my mom is a phenomenal woman. But she has been through a lot in her 40 years. My mom turned 40 this year. Um, She has been through a lot in her 40 years. So that was her father and her grandfather. So you can imagine, like, the impact that it had on me being my grandfather and my great-grandfather. But this is her father that she has to now bury along with her grandfather, which we actually had the funerals together. Really? Uh, Yeah. So that was a lot. So my grandfather, um, again, because 
young, right? I told you my grandmother is young. My grandfather passed in his, he was in his middle to late 40s. Wow. Um, and oh, it was it was something to do or some issues that he had with his, his liver or his kidney, one of the two. My grandfather drank a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was an amazing man. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing man. But he drank a ton. Mm-hmm. And it was the drinking that had caught up with him. Because Jeez. I do remember, because if you recall, I told you that I was raised by my grandfather and my uncle mm-hmm. um, in my early, in the early years of my life for the most part. So my grandfather drank a lot. And I do remember just any time like he's babysitting me and he might have a beer or he might have like a wild Irish rose. Yeah. And, that, and that's what he has in his hand. And he's drinking on that. Um, so the drinking just kind of got up caught up with him and that's how he passed and then his father uh was already going through um or had dementia so exactly and that is what um then eventually made him pass so it happened at the same time my grandfather was actually while while my grandfather was in the hospital because of his drinking and his liver and kidney trying to recover and recoup from that my great-grandfather was actually missing um, because again, dementia, you forget, you don't know. So he had just started walking and then nobody was just watching and he was missing for a couple of days. Wow. So that he just walked off. Yes. Wow. So that was going on, um, in the midst of like my, my grandfather being in the being hospital. Sick. Exactly. Oh, that's awful. Could you yeah. imagine? Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. What's home like? Just I mean, I, freaking I don't out. have to imagine. No, no, yeah, I know. It happened to you. Oh, you can't imagine. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah. So, that was uh, very hard. So, when the funerals came around and that happened, um, that was just like the onset of a couple of very hard years for like not only me, but my family, right? Because, again, this is my mom's dad. And then on top of that, her and her mother's relationship wasn't always the best Mm -hmm. due to similar things that I've told you about me and my mom's relationship growing up of being strict and her mother trying to prevent her from making the same mistakes and obviously that couldn't quite happen but my grandfather was really the one that she was closest to she was more of a daddy's girl Mm -hmm. Um, so losing him especially at that young age for her like she was she was in her early 30s losing him was a very 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 big piece um that affected a lot there. So yeah. we had the funerals together, two caskets up front. Wow. In, um, in what ways do you think it kind of changed things for your mom? She closed off. She closed off a lot. And mind you, she was already a closed off person because, again, she's the one that's... Um, Just strong and she's... Exactly. Yeah. Like, very strong. I'll deal with it myself. Like, anything, I have never... And there was a point up until my life that I had never seen my mom cry. And I vividly recall that funeral is where all of that happened and I had really seen her break down because she is typically a person who um, I don't think that she just doesn't cry she just does it alone and I can say that I know that because I am or I at least was that person as well who it's like okay I'm going to be strong I'm known as a strong person she's known as the strong person and it's like when you have to constantly be that strong person she's the oldest so she's also dealing with she has to make arrangements for the funerals, both funerals. And then she's also the one who it's like people in my family look at my parents like they've made it. Mm-hmm. And so obviously they're looking at her like, well, you're the take one who, who has a big yeah. house in Indiana. Like you're yeah, take care of it. You have to pay for it. You have to arrange it. So 
it just affected a lot and then I was also getting ready because again I was about to enter into my last year of high school this was my junior year I graduated as a junior but um, I was entering into my last you graduated year high, school. high school as a junior mm-hmm. we're very different people that's so <laughs> cool oh my god <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So I I did that, but so obviously the onset of my junior year, I had to start applying to colleges and everything, and this had just happened. So having being my mom kind of, like I said, she closed off a little bit after that. So that was kind of a process that even if my mom, if, if that didn't happen, right, there was only so far so much that my mother could help with, mm-hmm. um, because she didn't. Like, she didn't go off to college. She wasn't applying for scholarships and all of these pieces, right? So these are, again, avenues, roads that I had to really navigate on my own. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I I can only imagine how, like, that must, especially because that's, like, a very pivotal moment in your life, right? Yeah. And that's, like, when mom steps in and is like, great, we're going to go to college. Like, yeah. how do we go visit, to college? Visit campuses? I'll, I did not. Right. I visited one campus, yeah, and I ended up going to wow. IU. Wow, that's it. Wow, um, um, cool. I'm sorry, the, the flash will appear on on the camera. No, you're totally good. I, I'm like the, I'm the paparazzi I know, I see, is here. I see. <laughs> we'll cut that, everyone. Um, cool. Okay. Um, so losing your grandfather and your great father, grandfather in the same week, um, your 16th birthday with five or six people, mm-hmm. um, that's marked as a, uh, significant memory. So what, what is, uh, can you tell me about yeah, that? Yeah. So this is the culmination of, again, me wanting friends. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my 16th birthday happening. This is right around the time where the show, my sweet 16 okay, yeah. was going on. So it's yeah. like these big 16th birthdays. This is the happening. car that rolls up and this is the big house that we're doing it in. A mansion. Yeah. yeah. So, so we were supposed like that? No. <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not. <laughs> um, no, so my sweet 16, uh, I ended up going to Dave and Buster's. Cool. I remember that there was about four or five people there, if I can recall correctly. One was my cousin. One was um, one of my friends that I had met through like this program that I was doing in, in high school. And then the other was one of my guy friends, and he came with his girlfriend, and that was about it. But you can see how, like, none of these are really, other than my cousin, none of them were really direct, strong friendships or connections. Um, and that was a big piece. It kind of made me a little sad. Yeah. Of, like, my 16th birthday, I don't really have friends to share it with. And it was kind of that at that point that I really started to... um question like okay are the friends gonna come because you know when you get older it's a little hard to make friends (laughs) yeah yeah it's harder to make friends so um I just started to question that but I remember we we ended up going to Dave and Buster's um I was 16 and I just remember like okay my mom tried to make the best of it but I remember just thinking in the back of my mind of like had I not taken on or really fed into this piece of okay I need to focus on school I don't need friends like F all of this other stuff I'm just gonna be in my tunnel vision had I not focused on that or hadn't that not been instilled in me I would have a bunch of friends here I would have people to you know spend time with and kick it on my birthday and all of that so that was just a piece for me that 
like it plays into the aspect of even now I don't have a ton of friends Mm -hmm. Um, but I have gotten a lot better with relationship building and even furthermore just my own attitude and outlook on having friends in general so that was just kind of the onset of the shift for me of when I really realized like this isn't a this isn't a mindset that I want to continue to take on like yeah. Not at all. So that's kind of my question. I mean, do you looking back at that? Like, do you think that you know you would have you would have approached your young adult life for? I mean, you know, fifteen to or you know, <laughs> twelve to sixteen, young adult, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, would you have approached that differently, or do you think? Um, you know, focusing on academics and that sort of thing. Like, I don't know. I could. I don't even know, no. Yeah. Because honestly, focus on focusing on academics is is what got me to this point of of being 24 and having multiple businesses and being able to balance my career along with it and being right. miles away from home and moving to Atlanta by myself. Like having the confidence to do that. It was because of that focus on education and a focus on okay, these are my future goals that I was able to do that. But I'm really starting to see that that focus on the end goal or the end state when you focus too much on that there are certain things that you miss in passing through the journey right focusing like so much speaking, on the destination you're speaking to my soul because you know? <laughs> it's like cause so much like yeah i 100 percent agree because like a lot of uh that is a lot of what i've been kind of like confronting in the past couple of years is like mm-hmm. okay like how much of my time am I going to spend doing building this? Yeah. Right? And yeah. And, and I look at my friends and my uh, other people in my life and they have all these great friends and all they do every weekend is go ahead and have fun. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that why looks pretty am great. I, exactly, <laughs> like, why am I constantly thinking about like goal after goal after goal? If he's like, oh my God, I need to, I need to start my business. I need to make a million. I need to build generational wealth. My kids got to have an inheritance. It's like, fucking 23 right 24 take a breath it's gonna be there yeah yeah i think it's a weird balancing act that is is tough to navigate um but it's crazy to me that that started when you were so young like at Mm -hmm. 16 you were thinking those things i haven't thought about those things until like the past two years and you're thinking it's 16 and it's it's wild i've all people have always told me like i'm a very um you seem driven you seem like you're like let's do it yeah i I think that's amazing (laughs) i think it's great i I am but it it comes at a cost it comes at a sacrifice exactly there there is a sacrifice to it of just like I'm I'm also being driven I'm also like obviously ambitious and I'm focusing on the end state but that allows me to having been by myself right not having a ton of friends allows me a lot of time for um reflection mm-hmm. you know introspection I would say um and I look at my experiences right I sit with my thoughts a lot and I always tell people like no one knows me better than I know myself because I've spent I've I'm the one that has spent the most time with me yeah. like college high school it's me you mm-hmm. know d- tears in the library trying to make it through these classes failing classes like yeah. it was all me so I always tell people it's like I'm the one that knows me better than anyone else but I have always been a very reflective person of just thinking about what I've been through and the experiences and figuring out okay how has that molded me into who I am today and then do I like who I am today what aspects can I change do you think do you think you're more like introverted or extroverted because I feel like you seem very extroverted but like they seem like kind of like introversion traits exactly I'm yeah. I'm, I'm one of those like what do they call them introverted extrovert people gotcha, like okay. extroverted introvert people I don't know how to say it but you're either fine. way it's like I am extroverted when I am around the right people mm-hmm. and when I have a room that I need to work right like I'm yeah, someone yeah, yeah. who knows how to work the room but 
I do need alone time. Um, gotcha. When I moved here, I was in one bedroom, bath, one bedroom, one bathroom apartment, living by myself. Like I've always enjoyed having my own space mm-hmm. because that is the only way that for me I can then get to a new level, mm-hmm. right? Because when you're constantly around other people, you're constantly around friends. You're constantly around people that, for instance, you might be like in a really good space, and they get around you, and they're like, "Oh my God, it's Let's Noah. Do. He's Let's on hang his out. shit." Like, yeah, exactly. Let's have some drinks. Let's and watch they're, they're, cool. but they're looking at you like, okay, you're really doing it. And that makes you then feel complacent, mm-hmm. right? Um, but when you really start to change the rooms that you're entering into, when you start to change the environment, the people that you're hanging around with, it then shows you like, okay, I'm doing some shit, but I'm really not doing anything yet. I'm not doing as much as I could be doing. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But it's a, again, it's a balancing act between that because it's like, we're 24. How much do we really need to be doing? Yeah. I, uh, I have this like really cringy video that I saved to my laptop a long, long time ago. And like it was when I first moved here and I was like, I'm just gonna like lock my door and just work on my stuff until it's successful. (laughs) (laughs) You're gonna be in and then you come in and it's a skeleton. Yeah, and I was like, I'm like, this this room is now a dungeon and this is the dungeon in which I reside until this works. It's sick, man. And And you can't do that. You just can't do it. Like it just doesn't work. You can't just brute force life. Like I feel like it's, it's a part of like, like our our generation has a really bad habit of that though mm-hmm. of like these productivity wars that we have of like okay well I made $12,000 this month how much did you make mm-hmm. it's like I mean, I had fun. I did <laughs> yoga, you know? Like, I enjoyed life a little bit. How about you? Right. You know, like, there's this constant piece of, okay, I have to do more. I have to do more. When it's like your goals are still going to be there, whether you do them at 21, 24 or whether you do them at 30. Granted, right. it might be more fulfilling at 24, but if you're working yourself to the fucking bone trying to get to that goal by a certain time period, you're going to get there, and it's like you haven't been taking care of yourself. So you're going to have all the nice cars, take the vacations, but now you're buying might look like shit because you haven't been taking care of it. That's exactly right. <laughs> I, yeah. Have you heard about like mini retirements? I like people who are like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a mini retirement for like a six months or a year. Have you heard about that? I idea? haven't. No. Okay. It's like it's this cool thing where there's a TED talk somewhere out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they they say uh, people normally save their retirement for when they're older, you know, yeah. and, and by that time your body is like shutting down and stuff. So. Uh, it can disrupt your career, but like people have started to take like six months to a year off. And be I would like, totally do that. Sabbatical. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and they say, you know, when you do that and then you come back, like it's way, way better. I notice that even now when I take just a moment, like when someone can peel me away from my fucking laptop mm-hmm. for a weekend, I notice how how better I am at work that following week, how rejuvenated, oh, how much oh energy, God. like yeah. the creative juices just start flowing. And for us to continuously like work work, 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 work without actually taking a break, I do find myself in burnout mode. It's like I'm not enjoying what I'm doing anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's, this is fun. And when, fun. when you do like creative stuff, like I feel like you do a mm-hmm. lot, you know, because I'm reading all your stuff. It's really cool. <laughs> um, I need to w- listen to your podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, but when I'm like, creative work especially yeah like that's the first thing to go when you're mm-hmm. burnout mode. exactly it's like i'm angry and pissed off and i'm not going to write the fun inspirational stuff that i'm normally writing when exactly I'm in a healthy mindset we've totally strayed away from this but i don't care it's a great <laughs> conversation. Um, let's keep going let's keep going <laughs> so high school high um school. high school cool uh your first boyfriend lived across the street from you yes cool tell me about that what uh, yeah. was he like super so, nice guy he, <laughs> <laughs> he was perfect. So no. he, he, here's what I'll say. He yeah. lived across the street. Um, and the unique piece about this uh, was our parents actually became close. So as as I told you, tough. I'm, from, tough. I'm from the south side of Chicago. Okay. 
they were also from the south side of Chicago and had okay. moved to Maryville, Indiana, found themselves there. Um, but he lived across the street from my house. And that just in itself, because again, understanding how my mom was trying her hardest to keep me away from boys, mm-hmm. how that culminated in itself of, um, so he and I actually went to the eighth grade dance together. So he was, okay. he was, well, I was in eighth grade. He was a freshman in high school. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. I was in eighth grade. That's he was great, a freshman. Dude. That's where you want to be, right? Dating up, you know? Yeah, he's, he's a freshman. Like. It was wild. It was wild. I was the only one in my girl group dating, you know? A yeah, guy in wow. High yeah. Wild shit, though. <laughs> Wild shit. Um, but nonetheless, I do remember us um, going to the eighth grade dance, and it was when I went to the eighth grade dance that my mom kind of had found out. It's like, oh, you have a boyfriend. It's like, yeah. Yeah, what's that like when when academics-driven mother is like, oh, you have a boyfriend? Oh, dude, it's like, I don't, I don't know if you experienced this growing up, but it's like I got my phone taken so many times. Mm-hmm. For weeks, sometimes months on end. Wow. Of like, again, because then this is also playing into like, okay, I finally started to possibly develop a friendship with someone at school. Yeah. Wait, damn, now my phone's taken and I only see them at school. And wait, it's also winter break now. So you come oh, back no. and it's like, you know? Yeah. Oh, I haven't talked to you in a month. Like, it's like, are we still friends? I don't know. <laughs> like, I didn't, because yeah. they didn't know my mom took my phone or something, you know? So that's what happened um, when my mom found out about him. But eventually, like, him being across the street, like, he has younger siblings. He was the oldest as well, oldest of five. Mm -hmm. He has younger siblings, our siblings playing together at the park and stuff. So it was kind of like they had no choice but to begin to be okay with it. But then he cheated on me, so. um, Yeah. So that's your next bullet point here. Yeah. Um, That was ass, bro. That sounds like ass. For him, because he lived across the street. Were you still in eighth grade? I was, no, 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 no. We had stayed together for two years maybe two years for eighth grade that's a long time yeah Yeah. so i was i was with him up until my sophomore year of high school wow uh and my sophomore year of high school mind you it's like the and how we had met because we rode the same buses this way the bus system was set up it's like everybody in the same neighborhood okay we're dropping people off to the middle school we're dropping people off to the high school right so um they were doing that but when he had cheated yeah like he ended up actually like making the girl his girlfriend Ooh. and then they like started riding the bus oh god and then it's like i see oh, no. i see them over and then and then this Hold is on, the you're point where you're riding like, the bus exactly and then he with starts reg- driving oh, okay he's that's better. like isn't that better that's way no. better oh he starts driving with her no oh, okay no well, hold on but then you don't have to watch them on the bus right? but then i have to see them whip the car into the driveway and now their parents aren't home you god knows what they're doing oh, in that house oh no like yeah, it was bad, Noah. It was that really sounds bad. bad. That sounds yeah, awful. so I was um, because again, this is like didn't have a lot of friends, right? So when I got my first boyfriend, I'm not going to lie, I attached myself to him because mm-hmm. this is like this is the person I'm spending the most time with, and then on top of the fact that our families are together on the weekends, like you live across the street, this was my friend, like this was my best friend. So for that to happen, it was just like, it took a really, really big emotional toll on me. And then to have to continuously see it every day, um, my mom, like everybody in my house would tell you, like I was upset, I was sad, I was nearly depressed. Like I would come home every day crying because I just got off the bus seeing them. And of course it's high school. Mm -hmm. Like people are gonna say things. It's like someone's whispering in your ear. Maybe your friend's like, hey, did you see them today? Somebody said. Yikes. 
Exactly. So it was just a lot. And then again, like this wasn't necessarily something that I could talk about with my mother because when I got like when he and I got together, my mom, I remember my mom saying like, it's not going to last. Like Mm -hmm. you think this is going to last. It's not going to last. Like what is that like when she's correct and you ultimately realize that she's right? Because that's that's the piece. Exactly. And that's I feel like that's the piece that also contributed to this like bad place that I was in when we broke up because it's like, damn. Like she, like Mom's she was right, right. again. God exactly, damn it. and it's not yeah. like okay, him making me cry. Well, not him making me cry. I won't say that, but me crying due to what I'm seeing on the bus, then coming in the house, and it's like I'm crying, but I can't go to my mom to console me because it's like a girl. I told you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh man. So then I'm crying again. This is me crying by myself, dealing with things by myself, and again spending this time alone with myself, just analyzing experiences, analyzing situations because yeah. I am an overthinker as well. Mm-hmm. Planning, plotting next time. Exactly. That's what, like, what I'm gonna do. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was hard. Yeah. But that sounds brutal. Oh yeah. my god. Um, totaling your first car before you got your license. Yes. Oh, that's terrible. This too. is so. I ended up getting a new boyfriend. Okay. Uh, let me tell you. Yeah. I've never told this story before. Here we go. This is what a great preamble to a story. <laughs> <laughs> I've never told this story before. Uh, so this is with my second boyfriend now. Um, he and I got together sophomore year. So um, me and my first boyfriend broke up early, like my sophomore year. And then he and I had got together like later down the line my sophomore year. So at this point, um, my parents had gotten me a car. Well, it was like my dad's old car, but either way it was car. Yeah. And it was my car. Yeah. I had not yet had my license. Okay, so you but can't drive it's the car. Like, well, oh. I shouldn't <laughs> drive it, but I did. And and it's not like I was like sneaking the car. It's like my high school was three blocks up the okay. street. Yeah, super close. <laughs> three blocks up the street. My boyfriend mm-hmm. house, my boyfriend's house was about eight blocks away. Gotcha. So I had to go out of the way. And he had not, this second boyfriend did not have a car yet. Okay. Um. And I was, so it was the morning we were, um, we were going to be on our way to school. So I, you, I typically had gotten up for, gotten up for school and I'm like, okay, I got to get up a little earlier because I, I have to go around and I have to get him so that we can go to school together so that we can look like a couple and the <laughs> high school thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so I leave out of the house and as always, typically I'm rushing. Um, and I get in the car because at this point, again, my parents are letting me drive to school. They think I am just driving to school. Yeah. They no, don't no, know. They don't know you're going to get. <laughs> They're like, wow, she's getting there very early. Yeah. She's, she's really taking she's study so hall studious. early. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, so they think I'm getting there early and I'm really going to go pick him up. So this particular morning, like I said, I'm rushing, right? And I'm like, I don't remember what was going on that day, whether or not I had an exam, but I had something that I needed to get to the school for. And if I recall correctly, like he and I weren't in, like I wasn't in the best mood with him that day, Mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, I'm still gonna go get you, whatever. This is how we get to school, blah, blah. So again, about eight blocks away from my house, there's this one road that we that I have to turn down and it's not a like regular neighborhood road, right? Where it's just like no. Like there's it's like a state road, I would say. It was a okay. state road that I had to go on. So I'm speeding down this road and honestly the the speed limit is probably like 45. I was likely going like 60 or 65. It was no. I mean, yeah, it was wild. You're I in a hurry, yes. Yeah. So 
I'm going down this road and I have to turn off of this road to get to his his block, his neighborhood so that I can go get him. Mm-hmm. So again, this is morning time. This is typical like everybody's getting up for either school, work, what have you. So it was a little bit of traffic. Um, well, not traffic, but like there were cars coming. So sure, as sure, I'm sure. going this way, there are cars coming this way. Um, and I get to the place where I'm coming up on the block where I need to turn down to go get him. And you know how you typically have to slow down to turn? Sure. You didn't do that. I didn't. So there was a, it was a semi. Oh my God. It was a semi coming this way as I'm going like, I'm going, let's say north, the semi's coming south. Yeah. And I did not slow down. So good news. I missed the semi. Oh good. Okay. Hit the I hit house. a wall. You hit a wall. I hit a wall. So oh, when no. I turned into this, well, number one, it was a barely a turn. It was more of a spin. Yeah. But when I turned in, it was like there was this brick wall on. Oh, my God. And I ran into that. So not that only did that happen, it's like at this time, like I, I know I don't have my license. Yeah. <laughs> do you like run or I mean, what do you do? You're it just was. Like, I did. You I did. ran. You I, ran from I the car. I didn't run physically. Yeah. You just walked but away I casually. left. Yeah. Like, because the thing is like the car is totaled at sure. this point, but it's still driving. It is still right. driving. Um, I did not get very far because while that in the midst of me turning and that semi passing and me hitting that brick wall, there was a school bus. Oh no! That was also there that called the police. Oh no! <laughs> That's awful. And they told that I was trying to leave. Oh no! <laughs> You're outed. So it was just like, yeah, no. Oh, that sucks. Or now, did you get that like thing? Because like, whenever you're 16 and they're like, if you're caught driving without a license, you got to wait till you're 21. Did that ever happen to you? I don't think I. Ha- I did have to wait longer than I had to. I think I okay. had to wait in- because I did not get my license until. Probably the end of my freshman, it, yeah. So, again, graduated high school early. I started uh, college when I was seventeen. I had just turned seventeen. I didn't get my license until I was probably like eighteen and maybe three or six months. Okay. So I had to wait. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, because they always say that, and I'm always like, when I was it's sixteen, true. I was like, is that true? Okay. Yeah, my driving record was like not good from the get go. <laughs> It's still not good, but it's, it was not good for really? me. Really, I have never gotten in an accident, and I th- cross my fingers, knock on wood. No, like, well, you're literally telling me the type of person that you are. <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? I, like, I'm oh my god! Like, no. I like to be uh, safe the behind the wheel. Um, cool. Okay. Um, you saw your mom when you were uh, in part three here. You saw your mom open your, her hair salon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, tell me about that. That sounds like a huge entrepreneurial yeah, moment. Yeah, exactly. So that was a really, really, really big piece um, for her. So she opened her hair salon. I believe it was, this was also maybe like my sophomore, possibly my junior year. Um, I think it was actually my junior year. So she opens this hair salon, um, and it was just a really, really big deal because up until this point, she had been working in other salons. Like my mom's always been a hairstylist stylist ever since I was born always been a hairstylist um but up until this point she had been working in other people's salons and then even building up to this I remember there being a lot of 
what's the word for it? I don't know, like commotion talk going on in the house around like finances because my mom wanted to buy this salon. Gotcha. She wanted to, you know, start this business. Yeah, which is expensive. Um, did she take out like a loan or some financing or I'm not seed sure. money? Or, yeah. I still don't. I, I've gotcha. never asked her, but I just know it happened. She made it work. That's amazing. Your mom <laughs> sounds so cool. Yeah, you're right. She said, you said, you mentioned that she's this quiet person. And yeah. So she just one day she had a salon. And you were like, yeah, okay. I mean, it wasn't one day that she oh. had it, but it was more of like there was the buildup in back then. It's like me being young. I didn't ask. Like she said she was opening a salon. She's opening a salon. I'm not going to ask her how cool. she's getting the money. It's probably gets it how she gets that's badass (laughs) i'm opening a salon i've decided cool but i was um so at this point i was taking business courses in high school and i knew that i was then going off to iu and i was going to be studying business as well so when this salon opened my mom actually had me i was the one to help her with like her branding and her marketing and my Mm ex-boyfriend was the one the first boyfriend was the one who actually created her her logo that she still uses today there you go that's kind of awkward, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, because after it happened, like there was this long period of us not not talking and all of that. But again, our parents were friends. Our parents right. would go out and go get drinks, and it got to a point where it's like they sat us down and they're like, "Okay, you can't. You can't be bitter. Exactly. Like, we, we like each other too exactly. much. We're gonna be friends. So exactly. Like. So it kind of had to happen, and I still was bitter. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Um, it's hard to not be. Are exactly. you kidding me? You have a right to be bitter. Still but, to this day, be bitter. He's always surprised. He'll call. Me, he'll call me still because again our parents still know each other all that so he'll call me still and he's like hey how are you and he's like why are you still being mean are you me? shitting me no <laughs> like dude you literally fucked up <laughs> oh man totally deserved yeah that's cool though okay so I mean you're seeing her come home late working hard and getting clientele does she have employees staff and yeah so yeah. she so it's actually a really so she is this is a upscale more so luxury salon um, that she started which is really really nice all pink kind of pink lavished out pink chairs walls all of that stuff cool um, but yeah she was getting clientele and the the way that the space is set up she has availability for about I would say six or seven stylists and when she opened up she actually had six or seven stylists so she was really doing well in business um and still is because she still has it open to this day sweet sweet um great okay we're moving on to part four of your life here um which you know like i said i i I have this thing where i focus on the early parts because it's terrible um so here we go let's get into it we're gonna get into the the later parts carving your way out um your way out of what that's the title of this part, by the way. It's called Carving Your Way Out. Away from everybody and everything that I grew up with, my childhood, those people, carving my way out was the beginning of me starting to, like I said earlier, really begin to carve out my own identity. So this is when I then went on to Indiana University, not that far. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure this is the area that we're on. No, we're in college now, right? Um... Uh, yes. yes, summer groups, programs, yep. um, taking classes yeah. on campus before. For so yeah. this is me then saying, okay, I'm going to go off as far as I could go, which with me having younger siblings, because I, I do recall going through the admission, not the admission, yeah, the admissions process for college. I really wanted to go to like a historically black college or university. I wanted to go away. Right. Like far. away, away. Get me out. Yeah. And my mom's like, well, you know, out of state tuition, exactly, yeah. and then Did, were, and, were mom and dad offering to help pay for college, or was it more uh, like? Well, I had gotten scholarships. Sweet, yeah, nice. I, yeah. yeah. So I had gotten everything paid for. Again, we're. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm jealous, <laughs> man. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I had gotten scholarships, obviously, like one from graduating early, another one just from the state, and then when I got there, um, which we'll talk about, I actually started working for the Office of Scholarships. Sweet. Um, and that's how I then found the rest of the money. But it was carving my way out of everything that I had known growing up and just that environment that I was in because I didn't mention this and I didn't put it in, in there anywhere, but I actually grew up stuttering, right? I grew up with a Re- stutter. You had a stutter? That's shocking. That is, <laughs> that is honestly shocking. You seem like one of the most well-spoken people I've ever talked to. You had a stutter? That's I had a wild. Stu- it was terrible. It was a terrible stutter. Really? It was so bad. When do you think it went away and did you work it on went, it in so I, speech yeah, classes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I noticed that I had a stutter very early on um, I was probably like four like right when I could start talking mm-hmm. my parents noticed that I had a stutter uh, and my grandfather actually my grandfather on my dad's side has a stutter so I do I mean I say I know where I get it from but I don't even know if that's hereditary but yeah. whatever um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was up until I had that stutter up until I went to college and when I went to college it subsided Really? Now, the That's thing that great. you have to know about you reinvented stutters, yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Carving my way out, right? Yeah, yeah. The thing that you have to know about stutters is that everybody who has a stutter, there's typically a trigger for it. Um, and I didn't know that before I went off to college because when I started, it's like, I got to college, I'm like, whoa, I'm just talking and not stuttering? And I realized um, that my personal trigger was like, there was this anxiousness around just growing up, right? Mm -hmm. In the house that I grew up in and just like my mom and my dad and then having to take care of my siblings and doing everything. I can only imagine the pressure. There was a lot of pressure. You just described a lot of pressure to me. (laughs) There was a lot of pressure and um, I, I believe to this day that that stutter, the trigger for that stutter was just the environment that I was in. Mm -hmm. And then when I went off to college, I started taking public speaking classes. And I also, my parents did have me in speech classes um, when I was in elementary school as well. Gotcha. But it never really helped because it was more of just them telling me to slow down. And it's like, I'm trying to right. slow down. <laughs> yeah. But I can't slow down how I'm talking. Um, and they're like, oh, just think about it. Like, you got to think about it more. And it's like, I know what I want to say. Mm-hmm. I just can't get it out. Uh, so when I went to college, started taking those public speaking classes and then actually just removed myself from that environment, I did notice that my stutter subsided. But just carving my way out of that whole identity that I had, because even when I left high school, my first boyfriend that I had told you about, he was more of the popular guy. Okay. So him being the popular guy and then us now being broken up and then him having a new girlfriend that is like the popular girl. It was, I was not that person. I'm seething right now. I'm angry for you. And then he has the audacity to be like, why are you still bitter? Oh, don't like that. Exactly. 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 It's wild. And I know he's probably going to like, he's probably going to listen to this and hear this. He's like, why are you talking shit? Like, but still, I'm still hurt. No, kidding, kidding, kidding. No, but seriously, like that, that was what was going on. So... Yeah. Cool. Wow. Okay. So you go to college. The stutter goes away. You're suddenly out of this environment. Um, 
You're carving your way out. Summer groups programs, taking classes on campus before freshman year. Yes. So there was a preschool so, program? Yeah. So once I actually, so once I graduated high school, there was two weeks that I had to say, okay, I'm packing and I'm going off to IU uh, because I had gotten accepted into this program that allowed me to go to campus early. So June, before I actually started that fall semester and began taking classes, be a part of a whole cohort of people, get to know the campus, all of that. So being a part of that program, again, it's like you kind of see a theme of me rushing to get out of the phase of where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and that was a piece of it, right? I was rushing to get out of like, okay, now I've graduated high school. I need to get the hell out of this house. Mm -hmm. How can I do that? And that was my way of doing that. So I went to campus, and then at that point, that is was pretty much the onset of this Newfound confidence. Exactly. Like yeah. newfound confidence because it's like, again, all of these people, for the most part, they don't know me. There were some people who I went to high school with that did go to that college, but not many, right? Mm -hmm. Not many people were going off and doing these things, right? So when I went off to college, went off to IU, there were a few people that knew me, but I really had a like a new opportunity to figure out who, how do I want people to perceive me? Like, what do I want my brand to be? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's when I really started to think about it, of like, okay, I'm no longer this shy, like, girl with who has an attitude problem. Like, I really want to redefine myself here and really try to make some friends. This is my new start. Yeah. This is the last opportunity I have to make some friends. Um, Can I derail this conversation? Totally? <clears throat> what do you think about people who are like, uh, that, that, that criticize the idea that like people our age have kind of grown up with this idea that like you need to be a personal brand right like mm -hmm. everybody kind of needs it right and mm -hmm. that's how they can, kind of conceptualize themselves mm -hmm. everybody seems to yeah. do you think that that is unhealthy do you think that that's normal and that's how things should go or like what, what are your thoughts on that I think that everybody should have and own their personal brand. Absolutely. Whether or not it is like it can get to a point where it is unhealthy, because even for me, like I look at myself and I, I now have people in my life who I call mentors, advisors, sponsors, what have you, who help me work through these things. But I do find myself I've been precious the brand for years and at times I find myself in personal situations where I'm still trying to uphold this precious the brand. Yeah. When really it's like, I just need to be precious. You just need to be, Exactly, chill out, like relax. relax. Like yeah. this is not an opportunity <laughs> to get more money, to start a business. <laughs> right, like right. I'm constantly on edge from that. So I do, I am someone who I thoroughly believe every single person should own and know what their personal brand is and put it out there for other people because that is how you are then going to get opportunity that nobody else can take from you. Yeah. Um, because you're then like you're monetizing what you know. You're monetizing your experiences. You're monetizing who you are, mm -hmm. not just, okay, I have this degree and I have this work experience. That's my brand. Right. No, your brand is like your background, everything that your I'm story. saying today. Exactly. Yeah. My story. Right. Um, so yeah, I thoroughly believe that everybody needs to have a brand and they need to own it, but just don't let it get to your head. Right. Yeah, don't let it consume your life. Yeah. No, I um but I think that's a very uh, good, like, pro personal brand thing. And I think a lot of people are like, social media is ruining the world. And I don't support that. Because it's like, you know, I mean, it's not probably, it's probably not great. For, but like, for though, I could, so I could see, I could see why some people say that. Because there are instances where I say, like, damn, I really hate social media. Because social media to me, as someone who does own my brand and my brand is like monetized, I'm, I, it's my job. Mm -hmm. Social media is a job. 
Like yeah. when I get on social media, this is me. Like I have to engage with people. This is my community. I have to put out content. Like mm-hmm. I don't just get on social media and it's like, oh, let me see what my friends are up to today. Right. No, it's a job. It's a mm-hmm. job. You're you're kind of playing a character in a way. Exactly. Like, this is what this version of myself would say. And this, yeah. Exactly. It's kind of performative. Um. Yeah. Which is yeah. Which is I think it's one of the coolest things it ever. It is really cool. It's very cool, but also yeah, kind it's of. Like, but sometimes psychologically like psychologically difficult. Like precious the brand. Sometimes I just want to like, oh, I'm out having drinks with friends and I want to show that but it's like damn I'm Can't. precious the brand right now yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so that's that's yeah that's the weird piece for me gotcha um cool uh use this as you kind of lived in the library yeah so yeah. um so just to give just a rundown of like my college experience right so I had came to IU and when I started that summer program that we've already talked about I came in as a psychology major I applied to Indiana University as a psychology major when I got into that summer program they were exposing us to everything else on like this is my first time really seeing like okay IU really has a ton of different notable departments so I discovered the business school and if you recall I had already said I knew that I wanted to eventually step into entrepreneurship step into business I just didn't quite know how I wanted to do that. When I applied to IU, I chose psychology because it's like it was my favorite class in high school, Mm -hmm. which again, I didn't have guidance to know like apply so that, you know, this degree you want to return on your investment. I was just applying to like, I want to just study what I love. (laughs) (laughs) I want to study what I love. So I'm really grateful that I, I made that realization early on that, you know, I need to if I'm being realistic, studying psychology, how long is it going to take me to get Am I going to be a scientist? Am I going to be a therapist? Yeah. Exactly. Um, So when I started that summer program is when I actually switched over to business. And then at that point, since since it was late in the game, Mm -hmm. I had to go through the standard admission process for the School of Business, which was the Kelly School of Business, um, which is one of the top 10 business schools, undergraduate business schools in the nation. Wow. Um, So I went through the standard admission process, which is known to be a lot more difficult than their direct admission process because your direct admission process is solely based on the work that you've done in high school. Mm-hmm. And for those maybe like you and me, right, you you float through high school. High school is nothing but like memorization. Like you're getting A's. I was always an A student. And then, but standard admission is based on the work that you do during your freshman year. And that is in at the end of your freshman year, if you get all B's or above, that is when you get admittance, it get admitted into the school of business through standard admission. Gotcha. So freshman year, how was that report card? All B's or above? <laughs> it was it actually was not all B's or above. A's. It was all A's or above. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> no. It was so it okay, was all it was it was mostly A's. I had one B and then I had one C in accounting. I hated oh, accounting. I hate, accounting is the goddamn worst class in the world. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, after I left accounting, I was like, oh, this class taught me one thing. Mm-hmm. I need an accountant. Exactly. Like, like I don't want to do this shit. <laughs> yep. cool. And they made us take three accounting classes. Yep. Managerial business and the other exactly. one. I don't remember. Manage- Personal, I think. I don't know. Financial again was it? Financial, yes, it was financial. Managerial. Yeah, exactly. I did all those and I got bad grades and all and of them. And I still don't do my own hate accounting. It. hate it. Exactly. My, my whole class was so bad. I remember distinctly the professor wrote 
what debits and credits, what what accounts were debits and credits on the board, and everybody still did terrible. You did not get it. It's like wait, how, this, it it looks like they're putting money in, but it's being taken. Out. Like it's the worst. I did not. Oh, this get is it. bad. This is bad that there's money in this one. Like, it didn't make sense, bro. Yeah. It did not make sense. So yeah, accounting was the one class that I did um, indeed fail. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't fail. I got a C in, but I didn't like that C. Yeah. So either way, it was because of the connections that I had made my freshman year, right? So I told you I had ended up getting uh, a job position in the office of scholarships and that's how I yeah, yeah. ended up making the rest of the money applying the scholarships once I got on campus to then get a really big refund check once Sweet. everything came um, and then even furthermore I got involved within the school of business before I was an official business student so my that's freshman you're year networking you're exactly, navigating good. exactly so I, I had joined a business fraternity which was really good right that mm-hmm. looked really good on my application my standard admission application for Kelly and then I was also chosen or like chosen for yeah, I was chosen. I was going to say appointed, but chosen for this um, board. So the School of Business also has this like Cody board. It's like an Office of Diversity Initiative Student Advisory Board where we pretty much advise the dean, faculty and staff on ways that they can further help uh, attract and retain diverse students to the business school. So all of that, I believe, culminated into them looking past my C. Gotcha. <laughs> so I did end go. up getting into um, the School of Business, but most of my time was spent because, again, all Bs are above and then just navigating this new experience of these classes are actually hard. Mm-hmm. Like high school wasn't hard Our to High me. school's a breeze. Yeah, no, and these are like awful. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't really my experience. I didn't, I didn't, I feel like I always struggled in school because I was just doing so many other things and I was like, I'm going to do this and this and then, I don't know. Um, so I wish I could be like, yeah, high school was a breeze. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Getting admitting to the Cal School of Business, um, getting social entrepreneurship in Costa Rica. You went to Costa Rica to yes. study social entrepreneurship? Yeah. So that was, that was my first time um, out of the country which was really really like crazy because now um for a lot of people that know me now i am a huge travel buff or i was before Mm -hmm. coronavirus yeah yeah when we (laughs) Um, now can't travel anywhere exactly so uh that was kind of the kickoff of like my own travel bug within me and now as a part of people know as a part of my brand um i do a lot of solo travel or again before coronavirus i did and i just enjoy traveling in general where's where's the best place to travel if you were to tell me to go you have to go here solo 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 thailand Really? Yeah. Solo travel by yourself, like planning day trips and stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you make videos about it and stuff? Or is it just... It was more of like, I'm putting it on my Instagram stories, Snapchat, like... I put things on Instagram, but I wasn't vlogging it now. Right, okay. Um, so I was not vlogging it, but it was a really good time. And if I could say one place, go to Chiang Mai in Thailand. In Thailand? And you will solo find yourself. That sounds cool. It was amazing. What is it like? Is it a big city or is it more like relaxed? No, it's and, a, yeah. it, exactly. It's, um, if, how can I describe it? Have you ever been to Little Five Points here in Atlanta? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, little it's funky like that. Of Thailand. It's like a little. It's, it's it's very like funky and artsy. Cool. It's an artsy town. That sounds crazy. Um, so I loved it, right? And it was so much like it was very slow paced because when I went to Thailand, I also visited um, Phuket, the Fifi Islands, uh, and Bangkok. And Bangkok is like up and going. Exactly. Yeah. So that was just a nice transition um, to just end out my trip, just being in Chiang Mai. Like I met other like young girls there i had even on that trip mentioning southeast asia on that trip i was in vietnam in ho chi minh city 
Yes. Was I in Vietnam? I think I was in Vietnam. I was in Vietnam or Thailand. I think it was Vietnam. I was in Vietnam. I had seen, like, I'm walking down the street again. I'm solo. I'm walking down the street, walking back to my hotel. I see somebody I went to school with. Like, I was her really? RA. Wow, that's cool. That's crazy. I was her RA. Um, so it was just, like, being on the other side of the country. So, again, this is why I mentioned travel, right? Travel is really, like, I was already a very reflective, introspective person. But being able to travel solo and just completely, like, unplug and decompress from people mm-hmm. just... It was the best thing ever, but then being on the other side of the world, and it's like, I turned my phone off, I turned my service off, I've turned everything off, and I'm still seeing people I know. That's cool. It was wild. That's cool. Um, cool. So uh, we are running a little bit tight on time here. So mm-hmm. um, basically, some of the some of the highlights I feel like some of the key experiences that you highlighted here in part four, um, you eventually. Um, you took a personal branding course in college, um, and then you ended up getting, uh, you started a master's program. Um, and yeah, so tell me about that. Cause that eventually became your career and is part of your you know career now. Um, yeah. so what was that branding course like? That sounds really cool. Yeah. So the personal branding course that I took, it was called T75 compass. It was pretty much one of the very first courses that we had to take. It was a required course in business school to teach us that, okay, in business, your personal brand matters, mm-hmm. what you're putting out online matters. People can find it. If you're really trying to get an internship jobs, get recruited. Was you- it mostly like fear mongering? Cause most of the classes that I've taken that are like that, no. it's like it's like hey don't post yourself drinking on Facebook or else you're not going to get a job it wasn't that it was not that okay. so like <laughs> and that, and that's the piece that I really like to mention here is that my professor for that course was amazing amazing and the funny thing about that is like just earlier this year I had finally told her because she sees right she sees that I'm doing personal brand I'm in all of this stuff but I had finally expressed to her like you're the person yeah that that started all of this oh that's the best isn't it yeah you can have that conversation be like hey you know remember that thing that like you did that like you probably don't remember and people think it's so insignificant right like it's always something insignificant to them but it was like you literally changed my life Mm -hmm. so that's what that course was it pretty much taught us okay you need to have these profiles and that is when we were required to create a LinkedIn profile there you go and then that's what really kicked off the LinkedIn game for me as well what do you like about it what do you like about personal branding I love the fact that like you can be who you want who you want to be it's not who other people think you are Mm -hmm. like even if people perceive you a certain way you can always change that depending on how you act and the content that you put out so that's the piece that I like because again I went off to school and it's I was trying to redefine myself right I wanted I didn't want to be known as who I was known for in high school stuttering and and kind of like I don't know not not super social exactly I wanted to completely like be that person it's like Everybody loves Precious, and now I can do that. Cool. <laughs> Love that. That's awesome. Um, cool. Eventually, you got your master's. What is your master's in? Information systems. Gotcha. Yes. That's, so, a, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, I have my master's in information systems. Um, I completed that program. It was one year, so it, I did it more of like a four plus one, because during my senior year, I was actually in a case competition, and um, me and two of my close friends, we got first place in that competition. I won a scholarship for the program, which is what catapulted me to actually do the program. I wasn't really interested in it at first, but then I got a scholarship. What's, and a, what's like, a case competition? A case competition. So in the consulting field, they typically have case interviews. Case interviews are like, here's a business problem that you. I'm going to give you a sheet of paper, one page, read through it, the problem that the business is experiencing, mm-hmm. solve it. Cool. That's it. Like no other 
direction whatsoever it's like solve it and it's up to you to then start asking like the right questions about okay well like what's your current profit margin or like okay what are you currently doing like just asking questions kind of a back and forth and then you prepare this whole slide deck and recommendation of this is what we would propose for your business Mm -hmm. um it was an entire proposal so that was pretty cool yeah we got first place um and that is where i then got my scholarship to do the program and what I want to mention about the program as well. It's called MSIS. It's known as more of like a a consulting finishing school type of program. It's not necessarily an MBA, but it doesn't dive extremely deep into information systems. It gives you that that introductory, not even just introductory, like it gives you the foundational elements to understand the relationship between business and technology. Mm-hmm. And right now, the consulting field and the consulting industry is huge on the relationship between business and technology right and implementing the correct technology and like making it seamless and yeah exactly so that is what in I like to mention that also because I didn't necessarily need to do the program Um, and again this is me rushing through phases of my life I'm sorry by the way (laughs) see there's a problem with this show and I need to solve it somehow and I don't know how no 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 you're (laughs) It's like it, it, it was me literally like I was literally rushing through like, OK, I'm done with undergrad. Now I just need to like, I oh, need you to get were a master's. rushing. Exactly. I'm gotcha. not saying I'm we're sorry. I- <laughs> it's OK. No. I was like, I know. No, but like I always that's my problem. I always am like, oh, my God, tell me more about how you were a child. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, great. OK, now you've all the good we- bits are at the end. And it's like, damn it. Like- no, no worries. We'll keep it. We'll, we'll keep it short. But yeah, no, either way, it's like I was rushing through that phase. And so. I was pretty much saying, like, I didn't think when I graduated undergrad that I was ready to go into the consulting industry. It was more of an imposter syndrome that I was experiencing within myself Mm -hmm. of like, well, I just learned what consulting is like a year ago, two years ago. Like, you don't grow up knowing what a consultant is or knowing these like. That's not a job. Teacher is a job. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not a job that you just know. Um, So I didn't know that. And I felt like I needed that program to put me at the same place that everybody else who was getting into the industry with their undergraduate degree was doing. And I realized later down the line that I did not need it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm very grateful that I did that. Yeah. No, that sounds super cool. I. that's something that I've always been curious about and I've mm-hmm. never actually like like you're saying it's like I've never actually it's kind of this vague thing oh yeah you can consult for business but I've never actually like spoken to m- people who are like seriously actively doing that it sounds mm-hmm. like a very cool industry that it I'm, is very cool it's lots, yeah. of, lots of travel lots of first class lots of hotel points that was that was my like buy-in right there yeah. you're like <laughs> oh yeah I'm sold and me <laughs> no that sounds super cool and like I don't know the idea that like you can help multiple businesses instead of just exactly. like getting dug in and one the, 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 like, say, like going to the same job with the same desk and the same computer doing the same thing and consulting you have different projects right so you have a pro- you can have a project that lasts eight weeks you can have a project that lasts three months 12 months 18 what have you but it's dependent on you and you choose those projects so for instance if I'm like okay well I really don't like what I'm doing right now it's like okay cool because it's just gonna end in like two weeks yeah that's what I really loved about it because I would like throughout college I was doing internships and I'm like I just can't get with this Mm -hmm. going into the same workplace every single day for years right I see how it's affecting people and I just can't do it right 
100%. I 100% agree with that. Um, cool. We are going to move on to part five of your okay. life. Sound good? Cool. Um, sweet. Part five is called So I Can Do Both. Yeah. What is that in reference to? That is in reference to my business and my career and just everything that I'm doing. I feel like people typically, and like I said, growing up, right, like I had family members who felt like, well, you need to get a job and do it the regular way. Like, that's not going to last. That's not going to work. When it's like, no, I actually can have both of these. And I even have people now, um, other, other professionals right other people within the consulting industry that are like well how are you like how do you have this personal brand and it's just out there right because you found Mm -hmm. me on LinkedIn right yeah yeah and LinkedIn is this place where people feel like well my employer's watching me like what like what can I put up when when I stepped out this is kind of like the onset of when I moved to Atlanta it's like okay I can actually have a very successful career continue to be promoted continue to climb this ladder Mm -hmm. and also build my own personal brand and make really good money from doing that Mm -hmm. I don't have to choose at least not immediately and that is that was kind of my whole realization within this phase of my life Guys, this episode of Life Story with Noah Chrysler is sponsored by Modern Estate Planning. Here is a hard truth. Every one of you will die someday. When that happens, sometimes people leave behind a ton of problems for their friends and family to solve. After funeral costs, some people die poorer than the day they were born. And worse yet, if you don't have a will or you have a bad will, your family members can end up battling in court over the things you leave behind. They'll have to pay a ton of lawyer fees, and usually when the process is all over, they'll all end up hating each other and never speaking to each other ever again. Why make your family members go through that when instead you can take steps right now to plan the legacy you leave behind. If you're in the Atlanta area, the best option you have is Modern Estate Planning. Modern Estate Planning offers professional modern estate plans for the modern family. We've helped hundreds of families in the Atlanta area protect their legacies and avoid court. If you live in the Atlanta area and you don't have an estate plan or you have estate planning questions, give us a call at 404-620-3793. That's 404-620-3793. Guys, I hope you're enjoying the show. Um, Precious is awesome, isn't she? I think she's great. Uh, I know, um, I don't know, I feel like we're trying to kind of hit a level of consistency uh, that I am enjoying. Um, we're in the new studio. I absolutely love the new studio. Um, I'm still kind of tweaking things like lighting and also like experiential things. Uh, I, I'm trying to like, you know, buy food and like cater and make sure we're drinking during the show so it's not like super awkward and uncomfortable like some of these episodes have been. Um, but if you've watched the awkward and uncomfortable episodes, I appreciate you because you're the light of the world and it takes a little while to kind of hit your stride. So you're the best. Um, guys, if you could rate and review the show, and also share any clips from this that you see on your social media feeds. That is probably the best way for us to grow. Um, again, like people underestimate the size and uh, the value of their networks. And uh, if you could share this stuff with your friends and family, that is awesome. So guys, thanks so much for watching and I hope you enjoy the rest of Precious's episode. Also go check out her stuff. She's really cool. She does a bunch of personal branding. Go listen to her podcast. She's awesome. Thanks so much for watching. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Cool. So this last part of your life, did we get the title of it? Um, it was called, so I can do both. Yes. yes and you exactly. were mentioning that you can have a career and still build your personal brand. Absolutely. It, those are not mutually exclusive things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Awesome. Um, cool. This, one of the top bullets here says your current relationship with your mother. So how has mm-hmm. that changed since you've moved to Atlanta? Oh, it's evolved a ton, right? Um, because you know, you know that saying that like distance makes the heart grow fonder. Mm-hmm. It's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so me and my mom are definitely um, a lot closer now and it's more of like, she she's one of my really good friends, I would say now, um, which is interesting, right? Because like growing up, it's like you don't need friends and now my mom's my friend. But she is someone that uh, I, talk to, I talk to nearly every day now uh, and she, I find that 
even at times like we're we're sometimes experiencing the same things as far as realizations that we're going through within our lives or just putting a lot on our shoulders because she it's it's wild but she raised me just like her Mm -hmm. um and i am just like her in the aspect of having my hands in a ton of things trying to do everything for everyone all of the time mm-hmm. um, and kind of putting myself on the back burner. So that's kind of something that we were able to, I guess, connect on nowadays of figuring out like, okay, how can we continue to maneuver through life, but also while trying to keep in mind that we need to put ourselves first. So me and my mother's relationship is amazing yeah. uh, at this point. And I'm so, so grateful for that because the move to Atlanta definitely helped. Like when I moved here, she came down, helped me move. When I bought my house, she cool. Came down, helped Congratulations, me. you bought a house? That's awesome. I did. I have two houses here. You have two? <laughs> yeah. That's Damn. the Airbnb business that I got Hell mentioned. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. That's so, awesome. Um, so yeah, so I came down to Atlanta. I was, when I came, I was actually staying out in like Midtown slash Buckhead. It was like mm-hmm. the Lindbergh area. And I had an apartment there, like I said, one bedroom, one bath. But right when I had moved to Atlanta in, in the first place, my mother told me like she wanted me to get a house immediately when I got here because she's like, "There's you're wasting money on right. rent. Just get a house. And so something that I didn't mention as well because again I find so many parallels between uh, how my mother grew up and how I grew up as much as she didn't want that parallel to be there but she actually purchased her first house when she was 21 Um, and that's something that she's always told me and she was very proud of as well. Yeah that's amazing Yeah so she like purchased her first house 21, had this really nice job so either way when she came down and I actually began to get into uh, this real estate I guess business the real estate game she is somebody that kind of gave me some pointers help me out a little bit cool that's super cool and I think you're definitely right I mean I don't know I've watched my relationship with my dad like change a lot and now Mm -hmm. like I don't know. I talked to him. He's like, yeah, like here's, here's the bullshit I'm dealing with this week. And it's like, oh, like, oh, cool. I feel that too. Exactly. Exactly. But even I, I feel like as you grow up, you also start to really draw those parallels between like, oh my God, I am like exactly what you didn't want to be like with your parents. It like, you're That's like, exactly, yeah. I do that. Like, yep. Yep. Um, cool. Uh, you started your speaking career. I want to talk so much about this. You yeah. started your speaking career in uh, the South. Um, so it kicked off in Yes. What is that? So that was a conference that it was actually one of the very first conferences that invited me to come speak when I first moved down to um, Atlanta. So I told you that I moved to Atlanta in July of 2018. They invited me to speak at their conference that was happening um, August of 2018. I was one of the keynote speakers. And that was the kickoff, um, a really strong kickoff to my speaking career here in Atlanta. Prior to that, I did have um, a very good line of speaking events, you know, things that I had done already back Mm -hmm. out in like the Chicagoland area, Indianapolis, Bloomington, Indiana, just from school and such. But it really kicked off strong when I came down to Atlanta. And that was because LinkedIn. So they actually found me as a speaker on LinkedIn, reached out, wanted to pay me, said, hey, we want to bring you out. Can you speak? And that's really what kicked it off here that made, um, you know, a little fish in a big pond feel like a big fish in a little pond. Sweet. That's awesome. How many speaking gigs have you had since then? Oh, God. Um, I know this year I've already had about 16. Woo, that's awesome. At 24 years old, you've yeah. spoken 16 times. Wow. This what is, is, now, what year. do you normally speak on? Like personal branding or mm-hmm. more so like... I don't know, telling your story? Now, more so personal branding. Back when I was first getting started speaking, it was a lot of telling my story, um, really like letting people know, hey, this is where I come from. I'm a first-generation college student. 
and I was speaking to back even back in college I was my audience was more so um, students right Mm -hmm. people or organizations would come and bring me in to speak to their students and motivate them like come speak to the freshmen come speak to the prospective students Mm -hmm. that's what I would do but then when um, I kicked off here in Atlanta like I said that was a strong start to me actually beginning to um, have an audience of small business owners and professionals a lot of people who are at least 15 to 20 years my senior that I'm advising on giving them trainings or just like even facilitating the workshop cool Mm -hmm. cool that's really cool I want to bug you more about that afterwards um, (laughs) because I don't know yeah I mean what is so hold on so so they reached out to you and you had already kind of like kind of branded yourself as a personal exactly at this point exactly at this point I was at this 2018 I told you I started my LinkedIn in 2013 so this is like five years five years in five years of me iterating cleaning up my profile putting these things out there because again as long as I've been on LinkedIn it has not always or it has never always just been my career stuff it's always been the things that I'm doing on the side when I had cool. a YouTube channel and yeah. all of that right it was it was I was integrating all of that in there cool um, cool. Your friend and mentor, Henry. Yes. Uh, tell me about him. How did you yeah. meet him? So we met. So Henry actually works for Accenture as well. Um, and we met at like, are you familiar with like affinity groups or ERGs, employee resource groups? They're like groups that you have like, oh, we have a women's ERG where women just get together and they talk about corporate space and all of that. So Henry and I had met in one of the Accenture um, ERGs, employee resource groups, affinity groups, whatever you call them. And we just clicked. So he is older than me. And it's more of like, I look at him more of a as a mentor and an advisor more than anything. Because when I moved down to Atlanta, I've already told you I didn't have family here. Like Mm -hmm. there was no one here. Yeah. So it was just me. What is that transition like? What, what does that feel like? Because I went through that too. And it is isolating and awful. And so let's hear it from your perspective. It was amazing and it was fulfilling amazing. Really? for me. Oh. Because again, you have to understand, I'm this person who I love like a new opportunity to reinvent myself. Yeah. And that's what moving to Atlanta was for me. Uh, so when I moved to Atlanta, no, I did not know anybody. I did not have family here or friends here. But at this point, I am now, I have grown into this confident, charismatic, you know speaker girl who's really like I know myself Mm -hmm. so when I came to Atlanta it was just a matter of all right I need to get out here and I need to start meeting people like I need to start making friends I need to start finding my pockets of people in my community and for me I started to um go on apps like meetup yeah meetup and just like find like okay like today like I'm also interested in tech women in tech is like they're meeting today let me just go to this happy hour group me's um obviously Mm -hmm. social media is a really way a really good way for more people to connect and when people started to see that okay I'm in Atlanta and then even furthermore a lot of my follower base or my community on social media is not just like people I grew up with or like high school college friends these are like people who are interested in my services yeah that's Um, awesome exactly so when I put things out there it's like these are people who don't know or some people who may also live in Atlanta and they saw that and they're like oh my gosh you're in Atlanta I love your content your videos can we meet up for coffee and it just kind of was a rolling basis from there so my transition to Atlanta was honestly really really smooth I'm jealous (laughs) (laughs) like it was really really smooth cool cool that's fantastic I yeah um cool mental health and family mental health in family in your family yes yes I like to mention that um as well just because like at this point, those that are listening, they've heard 
everything that has been going on, right? So at this point, everything that has been going on, I do want to bake in there that um, mental health is a really big piece of that. And in my family specifically, it's like we have or we have experienced, um, how can I say this? Like, hmm, I don't know, mental health in general, right? So I have um, an uncle who was diagnosed with schizophrenia. I have an aunt who was diagnosed with, you know, bipolar disorder. So these are things that are also, they tend to be in the back of my mind as well. And I like to mention them just because even now, um, I'm someone who I'm starting to notice because of all of this pressure that I've placed on myself and my parents might have placed on me growing up. I have like anxiety. I have really Mm -hmm. bad anxiety. I'm always worrying about like, again, the future, what's next, my goals. Am I actually going to be successful? Am I successful now or is this just a dream? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like these are the types of things that I worry about. So mental health in my family and for me is really important, really big, but it's also something that I like to keep my own eye on just so that I can make sure that I'm prioritizing myself in my own mental health. Because again, I've already told you we're in this era of productivity wars of who can do the most all of the time and make the most money and that's becoming especially in this phase of me balancing an airbnb business with a vending machine business with my branding business with my career with just life of a young adult Mm -hmm. it gets to be a lot Mm -hmm. to handle so me constantly having to keep that in my forefront of okay i cannot overwork or burn myself out i need to make sure that i'm actually taking time for myself and that's something that's been a really big piece of my life since i've moved to atlanta or i've tried to make a really big piece of my life um i started doing hot yoga cool yeah what's that like sweating with a bunch of strangers It it was dope before coronavirus, of course. Oh, gotcha, yeah. (laughs) Like, obviously, like, it it was really dope. But then just also being in Atlanta, and I I feel like you might have the same sentiment, but it's a very green city. Mm -hmm. Um, And coming from, like, Chicago even, and even Indiana, right? Like, it's corn. But coming here it's like it's trees it's lush it's yeah. warm, like it's good weather yeah so. it's like in like a forest pretty much exactly like, yeah. so yeah. it was just a completely just new experience new awakening for me um and just allowed me the space and environment to really prioritize that cool cool um you went to startup grind in san francisco and you made your business official official what what do you think made your business official official and startup grind in california because i actually created an llc to Sweet. run all that money through nice yeah yeah when you're not like when you're not like hey irs please DM don't come me, after like, me <laughs> send me the cash app payment <laughs> yeah yeah doing like i stopped doing business through cash app and all of gotcha. that and i actually created um a business for i actually created the brand table so that is when the brand table came into fruition from me attending Startup Grind and I like to mention that because um, I was not going to attend Startup Grind Mm -hmm. and then I think like the week of Startup Grind is hosted in San Francisco we're in Atlanta I just decided, I'm like, you know, Startup Grind, all of the people that are going to be here, I need to be in that room Mm -hmm. if I want to take my business to the next level, right? If I want to take my business to the place where I know it can go, I need to be in that room. And this is also where Henry comes into play because I had just met Henry probably a few weeks prior. So I'm chatting with Henry about this and I'm like, okay, I think I should take off work. I should get all of my things, book this five, $600 ticket because again, I'm like it's a couple days before the conference before the flight so wow i'm like i think i need to go and he's like well if you feel like you need to make this investment in your business right now like then just go do it make it happen figure it out that's awesome so henry's cool henry i like you henry henry's gonna hear this henry's gonna see this he's gonna appreciate i gave him a shout out because he always tells me don't forget about him when i make it big and i'm making it big now (laughs) 
There you go. <laughs> yeah. So he kind of encouraged me to do that. But um, it was just this entire, like, it was this challenge or adventure to get there. It was, so the flight that I had to take, it didn't take me directly to San Francisco. I, be, I believe it was a spirit flight. And mind you, this is damn near a coast to coast type of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm coming from, I'm going from Atlanta to Cali. Mm-hmm. That's a long flight. So the flight that I had to take, number one, it was not direct. It was like $600 and I'd spent like, Oof. yeah, exactly. For me, and I had just started my career and this yeah. is like, it was a big deal. Um, but then even furthermore, it wasn't a direct flight. Like it took me from Atlanta to Boston. Then I had a layover in Boston like overnight and then I went to Cali and when I actually got to Cali at that point I slept on the couch of one of my friends from college like one of the people that I had actually wasn't even a friend I was his RA oh yeah (laughs) I was his RA like I slept on that but that was really the pivot point of like right after I attended that call right after I attended that conference that's when really like things in my business became an actual business it was no longer a side hustle yeah i had right after that conference i had booked my first four-figure client so someone was paying me like two thousand dollars to help them figure out their brand and they were like literally an executive in like this consulting firm and it was just crazy the amount that i was able to do just from literally taking that one step and believing in myself and actually going to that conference yeah that's fantastic um Cool. Uh, they. I wanted. I want to talk about all of these because I. You. It says you went to Zurich, and I've been to Zurich, and that's awesome. But you went by yourself. Then you went to Dubai by yourself. Um, we don't have to talk about it. I want to talk about it later, though. That's super cool. Um, the first promotion of your career. So yeah, you got promoted. Um, yeah, I ended up getting promoted. So again, this is this ad, this reinforcement that you know I can do both. Like I got promoted that first year, and then again I had yeah, I was booking clients. Like it was a lot going on that I was really proud of, mm-hmm. and I was actually showing my people and my family back home that it's like because they're watching me do all of this. Yeah. What, is, what I, is that like? What are they thinking? What are they, they feedback are they giving think you? Think I am like making it exactly and i'm like yeah. damn i'm just struggling out here like y'all like yeah, yeah. it's not but no they really like they look at me like They're like I'm so when person. are you gonna be on shark tank type exactly of yeah. like <laughs> because they see me like not, not only do they see me um working and then i have a business and then again all of my travel my personal travel and then i'm also in the field of consulting so they see me traveling throughout the week like she's on a flight every week cool and they just don't know like again it's like what does she do does she even work (laughs) like so yeah yeah. so that's the point that we had gotten to with that but it's I mean at this point it is really nice being that person that's like I am the go-to person of like one of my family members like oh I want to I want to get started with something you know how family members sometimes are like I want to start something can you help me like exactly it's like sure I mean, like, are you really going to go through with it? But sure, I'll help right, you. Right, right. <laughs> okay, so you're going to work on this for a month? Okay, yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Exactly. So gotcha. um, so it's nice just being that go-to person now. If people looking cool. at me like, I really do have all of this knowledge. Like, they look at me like an expert, mm-hmm. which is something that, like I said, that's the identity that I wanted to take on. I wanted to be known as that expert within the branding space. Cool. Um, last story. You have a bullet point about starting your Airbnb business, and mm-hmm. you've mentioned it a couple times. Can you tell me uh, how that came to be, and um, mm-hmm. what made you want to get involved and start doing that? And uh, Yeah, mm-hmm. let's hear about that. Absolutely. So, I started airbnb or being a Airbnb host, super host, um, back in February of... I believe it was February of 2019. Yeah, so just last year, just early last year, I started and You mentioned that. you bought a house mm-hmm. to do this. 
Wow, that's no. awesome. Oh, so, no, that's yeah, well, yes. Yeah. Yes and no. Let me explain. So I started when I started in February, I was actually Airbnb in my one bedroom, one bathroom apartment. Um, and this was Were you buying so, a tent? Did you sleep no. in a tent? Oh, like what? <laughs> Hear me out here. Okay. No. <laughs> Hear me out. February, the Super Bowl was in Atlanta last year. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's kind of how the idea came into my head of there gotcha. were a bunch of people that I, I had not just met, but these were like my friends in Atlanta now. And a lot of people are like, damn, the Super Bowl is going to be in Atlanta. I'm Airbnb in my, my mm-hmm. spot. I heard like, so many people say that, and I saw zero people do it. So it's really cool it. that you actually did it. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Um, so I did that, and that was kind of like my breaking point into uh, the Airbnb business. I started to do that. I made a lot of money um, really? Super Bowl weekend. And then after Super Bowl weekend, I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. So I did not go and buy a house or I was not like tenting out. I was pretty much couch, sur- couch surfing with friends. Gotcha. So I was doing That's that. That's amazing. Hey, exactly. can I spend the weekend here? Exactly. Like, can I like, just spend the weekend? I'm going to make a couple hundred bucks. Is it cool? Like, yeah. No, yeah. totally. Exactly. Yeah. Like, can I just, you know, spend the weekend? And, yeah. and I'm so grateful to, again, like have people, like solid people here in Atlanta now finally after 24, 25 years yeah. have people that I can actually depend on and count on to do things like that. So that's how it kicked off. And then um, last year, July is when I actually said, because again, my mom was already in my ear saying that I needed to get a house. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know what? My lease is about to be up at my apartment. They've already sent an email reminding us that we cannot Airbnb our apartments <laughs> after they saw everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I need to get a house. Right. So that is then when I started the process of looking for my first house. So I purchased my first home back in October of 2019. It's a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, and I did purchase it with the intent to Airbnb it and make money from it. Because, again, I'm. It's, it's like everything, every move that I make is very strategic. In consulting, I'm gone Monday through Thursday, and then they also will pay. Cool. They are willing to pay to fly you. Like, you don't have to fly back to your house. You can fly to your parents' house, you can fly to a Sweet. friend, you can, like, you Just can get flex. get a ticket. Yeah. Exactly, it's called flex. As long as it's, like, of equal or lesser value, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my plan. I'm like, I'm going to get this house. I'm going to hop on a travel project to where I'm gone all week, every week. And then at that point, I'm airbnb my house out d- during that time and paying my mortgage. So that's how it ended up working out. Um, I had that first house. The first purchase, um, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, it's a solid home, Mm -hmm. but there's so much that I learned from that purchase of just being more mindful of your relationships with your realtor, the relationships that they have with the inspector, the appraiser, like, all of these different people. Just so much that... I needed to be more mindful of that I wasn't because when I was going through the home buying process, it was just me like here. My mom wasn't helping. My mom didn't come down to help me. She came down once. I actually purchased the home like right after I closed to help me move in. But there was no guidance in how do I go about this home buying process? Right. Because even whatever she knew, that was only for Illinois and Indiana. Exactly. No. Yeah. That seems like I, uh, this is a dumb story. <laughs> I recently I went to the optometrist recently, and I'm talking to the guy, and he's like, "Now these glasses like fit your face, and like blah blah, blah and like you want this type of lens." And I'm like, "Dude, like, I'm I, you just need to like chill for a minute. I need to take two hours and just put like a ton of glasses on my face and yeah. just figure out like which <laughs> ones work." And he's and I'm like. And he's like, okay. Like, and I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. Like, I've never bought glasses before. The last time I bought glasses was like six years ago. Okay, mm-hmm. so like, and it's like when you don't know what to look for in this thing, you, you 
it's really hard to make a good decision. Exactly. And ultimately, I was just like, fuck it, these ones, which is terrible. Exactly. <laughs> but like, so you, I bet ha- home buying is very exactly. similar. Exactly, and it was the yeah. same way. It was like, okay, because I'm like, all right, I found a realtor. She seems solid. Like, she's young like me, young woman. Like, no way this could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Everything went wrong. Went wrong. <laughs> Everything you, know that you can think of. That's that's gonna happen more often. Exactly. And, and, I'm and glad. at some point you gotta be just like, fuck it. Like I'm just gonna try it and go for it and do it. And Ex- I'm gonna mess it up and then I'm gonna learn and then next time it's gonna be better. It's gonna be yeah. Exactly. And that's the piece that um even again through all of this reflection, right, that I do realize that the only way that I've made it to the point that I am right now is because this like this riskiness that I'm willing to do of like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to jump in. Like I might worry about it, have a little bit of anxiety about it at first, but I'm going to jump in and I'm actually going to make the decision. And if I fall or I float, you know, it's up to me, but at least I did it. At least I went for it because there are a lot of people who will let fear consume them Mm -hmm. and they won't even make the decision because they're scared that they're going to make the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about making the wrong decision or it's not even necessarily about making the right decision. It's about making the right decision at the time Yeah, with the information that you know, just taking that first step. So that's what that looks like. And I'm glad I did it. Like I said, I learned a lot. Um, And then July of this year is when I then got my second second property and Airbnb and both of those now and I'm now in the process of building a tiny home in the back you're, of my first property. You're Airbnb both of them and you're going to build the tiny... Precious, you're so cool. That's awesome. Oh my god. That's dope as <laughs> shit. Um, cool. Uh, Precious, I have, I have questions for you. I ask everybody two questions and I'm going to ask you a third question too because okay. I want some help from you. <laughs> <laughs> um, first question, uh, looking back on your life, um, what do you think your greatest strengths and weaknesses are as an individual? Mm, greatest strength reflection um, being able to reflect on the the role that I've played within certain situations um, in relationships even with like my parents and my mother right I feel like growing up we tend to we only think about our parents as parents it's like what you go out and have friends (laughs) or like you make mistakes you can't make mistakes and it's like your parents are still someone's brother, someone's sister, someone's friend, and they are they can make those mistakes too. So I would say my greatest strength um, would absolutely be just my ability to reflect on experiences and situations. My greatest area of development um, is worrying about the future, man. Like yeah. living in the present is not something that I'm good at at all. I'm constantly thinking about what's next, what's next. Even with all of the accomplishments that I have, I do a very, very terrible job at looking back and patting myself on the back for that because I'm always thinking about, all right, cool, we knocked it out, what's next? Yeah. Um, so that would be strength and weakness. Yeah, that's a great weakness to have. Like, oh, you know, I... I, uh, oh, I never I sleep. Yeah, no. <laughs> I hate that. In, in business school, they literally would tell us, they're like, when they ask you your weakness in an interview, yeah, make do it not a say like a, <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm always just crunching numbers in my head. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. No, that's awesome though. I think that's great. And I think, uh, you know, after hearing your story, I think you should definitely be super proud of like where you've like come from and like what you've accomplished. And that's, that's awesome. Um, cool. The last question, do you have a piece of advice? that you would give your younger self or uh, to my audience? Mm, A piece of advice that I would give my younger self or to the audience. Mm -hmm. Mm. You're sitting down with yourself, 16 years old. Hey, precious, don't do this or do this. What would you say? I'm going to look directly into one of these cameras that's looking at us right now. Here we go. Hey, precious, (laughs) slow the fuck down. That's it. Gotcha. That's literally it. It's like, stop trying to rush through 
everything. Um, growing up, and this is not even just advice that I'm giving my younger self, this is advice that I'm giving anybody who's listening, right? Whether you are 35, 45, 15, whatever it is, slow down because you're you trying to rush to it or rush through it is going to make the experience less enjoyable mm -hmm. because you're going to get to it and you're going to completely surpass it because you're speeding mm -hmm. and you can't again you're not able to see the like the landscape see the sunset because you're literally speeding down the highway of life <laughs> 90 miles an hour exactly <laughs> so slow down right slow down awesome Precious, thank you so much. I uh, genuinely have like really enjoyed your story and like enjoyed talking to you. And I feel like I could learn a lot from you. And I want to continue bugging you. And that <laughs> that brings me to my last question. Um, what ways do you think I can improve? Number one, this show. Number two, my brand and mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing. Because I I kind of want to always be learning and developing things. And mm -hmm. just to give you some context, before this, I was doing a lot more like comedy entertainment stuff, which I love to do, and mm -hmm. I and and I do want to make that a core tenant of like the stuff that I make. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, watching my subscribers, I went from 400 down to like 370. And it was like, oh boy, like this Damn. is, yeah, which which is like not much. I mean, in the grand scheme no, of life. No, it's like, no, no, but And I'm like, good, you know, I'm weeding out yeah. the people that don't want to be exactly. here. Exactly. And that's great. That's what it is. It's awesome. But at the same time, it definitely gets to you. And it's like, oh, cool. Maybe this, the new stuff is awful. And it's like, no, that's not true. Because, I mean, the, the core principle behind the show is like, I think it's a good thing to, number one, try to understand people who are different than myself, right? Mm -hmm. And then number two, like, put those videos out there so that other people can understand other people right yeah um i think that's really important and something that i wish i was better at mm -hmm. um and so yeah that's why I, I started this but i don't know from your expert opinion looking at my stuff and you said you stalked me a little bit before this looking Just at a some little bit, okay yeah. perfect <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. suggestions recommendations things that you were like oh that's a little uh, mm -hmm. i don't know things like that make it more clear what the actual outcome or value that you're looking to provide to people from this and from everything that you're doing right because i think it sounds like that there is a common like outcome or value there between the comedy and between this right because comedy to me is just again it's telling funny stories and this is just telling life stories right mm -hmm. so it's all really like that common theme of storytelling mm -hmm. and you're providing people value through them watching this storytelling through your video content, through all of these other aspects. So just make it more clear what it is that, like the value that you're providing. Because um, I can go on the YouTube, I can go on the LinkedIn, I can go on you know, the website and all of that, and I can see all of these nice things, right? But if you don't direct people in a way of, okay, this is how I want you to think about me, this is like, you need to come to me for this, they're just gonna they're gonna be scattered just like you yeah um so that would be my advice and that would be the one thing that can actually absolutely be improved but everything else is like doing it Noah. thank you i appreciate it <laughs> <Are> you <laughs> no, doing I a agree. damn thing <laughs> <laughs> thank you no but yeah i definitely agree it's like yeah i think i think i just need to pick a direction and it might not be the perfect it's direction. not the perfect direction right. and it's not the final destination but it is a direction that you need to go in right now right that is it you're and not I gonna think, know i think i've picked it with the actual video content that's up there but the branding and the support and you're exactly. right the website and my mm -hmm. LinkedIn like they can all Integral. be spearheaded and support the overall content um, and they're currently it's kind of like and also like I don't know I'm also like trying to expand some of the content that I'm making like mm -hmm. this past weekend I made something that's very very different um, and more so like comedy and mm -hmm. that sort of thing 
Um, but anyway, thank you so much for the feedback. And thank you so much for being on the show. Guys, if you enjoyed this, make sure you post a comment um, and let me know your thoughts. And also, if you like it, that'd be fantastic. If you could share this with your uh, network, that would also be great. I think people underestimate the value of their network. Oh, absolutely. And people are connected to like hundreds, if not thousands of people, every single person. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that like, oh, hey, that's One thing huge. I like to say too is like, for instance, when you like go on Instagram or even LinkedIn, right? You, you, you post a photo and some people are like, oh my God, I only got 30 likes that's 30 people yeah that's we true. forget like we're forgetting that these are real people it's a room. and humans it's a room full of humans behind <laughs> these likes yeah. so yeah seriously yeah like find find me guys um you can find me everywhere at precious c price my website is precious c price.com precious c price on all platforms um and then yeah like find my content too i'm sure you'll be able to find me from yeah what's Noah's. your podcast my podcast is a strategy behind branding yourself so you can find it on all platforms across the board as well as youtube Awesome. Precious, thank you so much uh, for sitting down with me. Anything else you want to plug? Book? When's the book coming out? 2022? 2021? Yeah, when can I'm we so watch for I'm so sick of people asking about this book. <laughs> it's coming out soon, guys. It's coming out soon. So it's I'm on gonna, the way. I'm gonna, it, it was supposed to be this year. I'm not going to lie. I put it on like my resolutions or my goals early this year and then like Airbnb vending and all this other stuff got in the way. Um, but I would like to do it next year. And if nothing else, I do need to, I do need to at least release an ebook. So yeah, yes. And cool. if you are interested in working with me um, with branding with LinkedIn with figuring out what you want your direction to be I do have a program called building brand authority it's an eight-week coaching program it's an accelerator where we pretty much go through and we rebrand you and completely position you as an expert in your field so that you can get inbound opportunities like Noah's podcast right here (laughs) there you go good stuff guys again thank you so much for watching if you enjoyed this let us know down below if you could rate and review the show on iTunes or whatever podcasting app you're on that also helps us rise through the charts guys have a great day thanks so much for watching have a good one